Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of Magic with Zuby. My name is Zuby and today we have another special guest with us and that is none other than Jason Alt from the Brainstorm Brewery. Before we get into it, let me just, just get some announcements out of the way. If you want to help support the show in any way possible, you can check out the show's Patreon at patreon.com slash magicwithzuby. And you can also find Magic with Zuby on the following on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio. Magic with Zuby can be found on facebook.com slash magicwithzuby, on Twitter at magicwithzuby, on Instagram at magic underscore with underscore zuby. And yes, that was my phone going off and I'm not going to edit it out. And um, you can also find me on YouTube, just search for Magic Magic Wazubi on YouTube, and you can also, Magic Wazubi is also affiliated with Inked Gaming. You can use promo code MTG, or no, Zuby10 on checkout to save 10% off any playmat or anything like that over there. And you can also, um, yeah, I also have an artist page out there as well too. And then we have one other ad and then straight to the interview. Well, hey there, Zoe. Why the long face there, chum? I just want to order some magic cards, but the shipping was too expensive. Too expensive? Well, did you know if you go to LegitMTG.com, you can order any magic cards, and anything over $2 or more has free shipping. Wow, free shipping's at LegitMTG.com. That's amazing. You heard that right, Zoe. Free shipping at LegitMTG.com with any order over $2 or more. Be sure to visit today and get the best deal on Magic Singles and Magic Sealed product available. Wow, that's amazing! Alright, alright, Zuby here and I am joined by none other than Jason from the Brainstorm... Yeah, I fucked that up, Brainstorm. Um, Zuby here and I am joined here by Jason from the Brainstorm Brewery podcast... And he has decided to graciously present, pre, or graciously present us. I don't even know how to fucking talk. It's been a grace long day. Grace us with his presence. There yeah, we go. Yeah, grace us with his presence. It's been a very long day for me um, That's as all right. we record this. So, um, yeah. So, I guess to start off with, um, if you want to give a little introduction about yourself and who you are in Magic. I'm, I know a lot of people already know who you are, but just why not? A lot me? of people do not. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, I'm Jason Alt. I've been... Writing about magic for about eight years. I've been podcasting for about six or seven. I'm not really sure how long. Man, that's that's sad, right? We're in like uh, we're in the 300s, so it's been at least six years. Um, I write for CoolStuffInc.com and MTGPrice.com. I say .com even though like they're clearly websites, right? Like no one thought CoolStuffInc was a magazine. Hey, you never know. I'm nailing this, right? Oh, dude, dude, you're fine. You're fine. I write for Cool Stuff and MTG Price. I'm the content manager at edhrec.com, and I'm on the <laughs> Brainstorm Brewery podcast, and uh, I've joined magic podcaster John Dunning for a new project we're calling Director's Cut, where we talk about magic never. It's all about movies, so that's a new project I'm working on I'm proud of. Other than that, I don't really do anything, you know? Just like five or six magic projects a week, no biggie. Yeah, you have been on like this podcast whirlwind tour it feels like for like you put out a a tweet like hey who who can I be on some people's EDH podcast and I'm like hey you know I don't really talk about EDH but I do not really kind of sort of you don't have to talk about EDH but yeah. you can and that's good that's a good place to be because we pigeonholed ourselves with finance and now we don't want to talk about finance anymore <laughs> so yeah you've been doing a lot of them um, so what prompted this you know this tour of being on all these podcasts here 
You know, um, a friend of mine said uh, that a guy he knew from like high school came up to him and he's like, how do you know Jason Ault? So they, you know, I, I play magic with him locally. So he got to talking. He's like, I wish he did more stuff. And I was like, but I do all kind of stuff. But I realized maybe I don't, you know, if he's not interested in listening to Brainstorm Brewery and like only likes to hear me when I branch out and do like interviews and stuff like that, then there's not a whole lot for him out there. So I thought... I'll see if anybody's interested in having me on as a guest. And uh, sure enough, uh, you know, a few podcasts reached out and uh, I'm kind of doing a tour. So I'm really glad to be here. Thanks so much for having me. Um, thanks oh, to no all problem. the podcasts. No, I'm you glad. in particular. Oh, awesome. Well, I'm glad you could join <laughs> me here in sunny Florida today. Um, oh, that must be nice. <laughs> uh, I mean, granted, it's probably nowhere near as bad as you are right now. But Oh, you're, you're wearing a hooded sweatshirt. Is that the polar vortex? Did it get down to 40 degrees? Oh, dude, you, okay, so have you ever been to Florida? I've been to Florida in February, and they're like, it's so cold, the water slides are closed. Like, that's, <laughs> that's a good time to go to Disney, I think. Actually, no, that that's a myth. There is no good time to go to Disney anymore. Okay. It's, we have <laughs> we have annual passes, and um, yeah, my wife goes way more than me and the kids, because um, that's just her thing. Like, magic's my thing, Disney's her thing. So, um, oh, and if you, you spend as much as you do on Magic, you can't begrudge anybody oh, any expensive oh no, hobby. Dude, Disney is so cheap compared to Magic. Let me just tell you. <laughs> an, an annual pass for Disney uh, is when you live in Florida is less than $700 a year. Wow. That so that's like that's a case hell. of booster boxes, yeah. Pretty much, yeah. So so like I said, that's her thing. And she she's starting to get to know a lot of the staff at the parks. And all that stuff, and they've been telling her like there's no good time anymore. Like the past five years, the parks have just exploded with popularity, and it's no matter what time of year you go, it's it's bad. I'm seeing that everywhere because I live near Cedar Point, which is probably the best theme park. You know, it's not Disney, but it, it in terms of a pure roller coaster experience, I don't know if there's a better park in the U.S. And it used to be you could just wait in line for an hour, get on a ride. Now it's like you need the the wristband. To have yeah. an assigned time to wait an hour, it's it's pretty nuts. Yeah, it's crazy because I'm also we have a local water park here that's only open during the summers, and it used to be like five like five to ten years ago, no one would ever show up there, and then now it's you can't even get in at all anymore. There's like a line around the around the freaking highway, pretty much just to get in. So um yeah, there's something to that, but um I forgot what we we're even talking about. Um, oh yeah, weather, weather. So it actually got down to 28 degrees this morning. Oh, that's really, really freaking cold for us here. I mean, we're not used to that at all. No, no, no. I, uh, I stayed indoors. So like, I didn't really feel it. So how cold did it get where you're at right now? Like minus 20 minus 20. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I have been up to Maine during winter, so I do know what it's like for sub freezing temperatures and all that. Um, and it is weird how the differences between negative 20 to zero degrees can be, how it actually like, oh my gosh, zero degrees feels warm. Um, so, I mean, I'm not foreign to that, but yeah, still fuck that. I'll stay in Florida or yeah, yeah, I'll pretty much, I'll probably live in Florida for the rest of my life. I can feel that already. I don't want to complain because I know, like I read these things online, like the city of Edmonton found, ran out of places to push the snow. Like, they used to use an abandoned airport tarmac that was, you know, like, eight square acres, and then it filled up with <laughs> snow the 
when the snow piles got to 80 feet high, they couldn't add any more snow. They had to contract to push their snow. I'm like, ah, that's okay. Wow. Sorry, Edmonton. Like, Buffalo, New York gets it real bad. So, Michigan, sometimes the lake makes snowstorms worse. It's called the lake effect. And sometimes it protects us from some weather. So, like, you know, we don't... We have the occasional tornado, but that not too often. We don't have earthquakes. We don't really have big wildfires. Like, yeah, we have winter, but... And you don't have hurricanes, either. Not like we do. No, no, we... That would be some hurricane. <laughs> yeah, it would. It makes it, it halfway to the United States. It's still a category two. Just going off. Yeah, yeah it's, <laughs> it's funny because um, I was just at Daytona Beach last week for work. And um, we I was there talking to this one lady. And she was she's from New York, never really been to Florida before. And I'm just describing to her all the crazy things that Florida is known for. Um, you know, cause she was all asking us like, Oh, what, you know, is it true? Like there's alligators everywhere. I'm like, um, yeah. I mean, it's, if you have a pool, don't be surprised if one day you wake up and there is an alligator in your pool. Like, I mean, that's not uncommon. I mean, it doesn't happen a lot depending on where you live in Florida, but it's happened. And then just talking about, you know, then she asked about hurricane. She's like, is it true that people board up their windows during hurricane season? I'm like, yeah, you don't want trees like crashing into your window and all that it's and i i guess to her just the concept of hurricanes was just crazy and well they're scary i mean yeah they can be um anything over a category two is pretty scary and then add on top of that now that i'm a homeowner it's twice as scary you know because shit i mean i know i've got homeowners insurance but fuck i don't want my house blowing away and all that shit no and there's there's stuff you can't replace Oh, yeah. Yeah, like, I mean, I'd say my magic cards, but I'm like, eh, I don't have any. This took a dark turn. Yeah. Well, you'll never get your photo albums back. Anyway, welcome yeah. back to the Magic Podcast. That's <laughs> eh, fine. I, I've gone darker. It's okay. We're talking X equals five hurricanes and above. Yeah, man. Oh, so the hurricane that happened, um, was it two years ago that actually hit? It was actually coming on land as a Category 5 hurricane, and we were, like, scared shitless my wife and I, and thank God it slowed down and it didn't hit us until it was a category one. And it was like, Oh, some branches fell down. That was about it. Like, dude, that was going to be a major, major hurricane. I mean, South Florida pretty much got decimated really bad, but here, because I'm in central Florida where it's pretty, I mean, we did got, we got really lucky with it. I'll just say that. Well, you're near enough uh, Orlando to, to have an annual pass to Disney, right? Um, yeah, I'm about like how far are we from Orlando? Like two hours, you say, or a little bit less? Oh, hour forty-five. I mean, my wife she'll get there faster because she has a lead foot. So there you go. <laughs> She's so a I'm, category five driver. I get it. Category five driver is what you've been called. Yeah, I'd have to agree. <laughs> Actually, no. She's. I'm the one that she's usually more scared of to drive because, I mean, I don't know. I I I don't brake very well or something according to her <laughs> i drive like a grandpa but i don't brake very well that like a grandpa <laughs> but um so what's up man um so you're doing this podcast tour here um you're on here in magic with Zuby, and um yeah i guess let's um let's talk a little bit about magic i guess um if you insist if you do a magic finance podcast with um who are your co-hosts 
My current co-hosts are uh, just Corbin Hostler, and then we've had a longtime guest for three years because we're hazing him. Uh, that's <laughs> Douglas Johnson, who uh, wrote for TCG Player and uh, started out at Brainstorm Brewery, winner of the first uh, Gamers Helping Gamers Scholarship. Oh, nice. Yeah, so DJ started writing for me at Brainstorm Brewery about five, six years ago, and then I got him a job writing at Quiet Speculation, then he moved to MTG Price, then he moved to TCG Player. So he's been around. Um, he's real solid. And then the former co-hosts of Brainstorm Brewery are uh, Ryan Bouchard, who works for 95 MTG, and uh, Marcel White, who was just a podcast guy that was like, hey, no one's doing a finance podcast. Let me get some finance people, and let's do that. So Marcel and Ryan can come back on anytime they'd like to and they occasionally come back as guests but they don't want to commit to the whole weekly thing and yeah. uh it's a it's a pretty good crew we've assembled i would say oh that's cool and you guys have been you said about six years now um yeah so i mean i'm going on year three uh actually no, next week i think is going to be my third year anniversary for magic with Zuby. and um I recently wrote an article about the other side of content creation where, you know, the deep, dark stuff that no one really likes to talk about because everybody likes to think it's all roses and rainbows and all that. Um, so how you going on six years now, you know, how what I guess what keeps you going really for it? I still like it. You know, um, I do stand up comedy also. Oh, okay. So I. I like podcasting as a creative outlet. I like the podcasting community because it. The thing about magic is it's good that it's so expansive that so many people who don't work for Watsi like have a, a livelihood and like a mm -hmm. career in magic. I make money buying and selling cards, writing articles about how to buy and sell cards. Our podcast has a Patreon, Patreon.com/slash/BrainstormBrewery. <laughs> Uh, you, you know, like, um, people can cosplay and then get paid to go to events. People can, you know, uh, join the coverage team. Pe there's all kind of ways that people can get paid to just be part of this community. And a lot of it's just ad hoc. Just people like, well, I have a store. Now I need this. Now I need that. It's amazing that the, uh, the community is, is so large surrounding this game that like five people made in a garage initially. Oh, yeah that you know people can just do this like this is this can be what you do and it's weird explaining it to people like that you went to high school with about mm -hmm. your so people pay you how much to do this but it's uh it's i it keeps me going because it's fun and also there's drama in every other community the none of what happens in magic is unique to magic yeah and i think it's a little bit worse in, com in comedy because there's more opportunity in magic because we make the opportunity mm -hmm. and it's not as much of a lobster bucket for magic as it is for comedy. There's so much people trying to drag each other down and try to make themselves look taller standing on other people's corpses. It just, it, it happens in magic a little bit, but like no one really benefits from that. So yeah. I, I actually, as much as we don't like this community, it's one of the friendlier communities out there. Yeah, I can, um, I can see that because I've been like I was previously a part of the StarCraft community trying to like back in 2008, 2009 and all that stuff. And it would 
it felt pretty friendly, but the thing was, like, trying to make content for it. If you were not a pro player or anything, it was just, nope, don't want to talk to you, don't want to listen to you, because you're nothing. That's where that's what I like with Magic is, yeah, I barely know how to play the game. I, I'm lucky I can play a land and tap it for mana, but, um, you know, people still enjoy, like, hearing what I have to say, and I like to do stupid shit, too. So, that's what I like about it, too. And it, also, the D&D community as well, too, is... um really good i don't know if you dabble in that at all uh i i, I played it but like to, like people like uh ruben bresler that are crossing over a little bit i think that was a really inspired idea because there's a lot of room under the the wizard's umbrella you know yeah they got that hasbro money now um they're doing a lot for D D and getting people like you know joe manganello just in, involved in that i think is is cool oh yeah like oh, yeah. he it's no, go ahead. Well, no, I was going to say, it's just crazy how much of a freaking D&D nerd he is. Um, have you ever seen his game room? Yeah, I've seen it, pictures, yeah. It's freaking crazy. And apparently he's been obsessed with it for a long time. But, I mean, D&D, even Magic and D&D, they kind of go hand in hand in terms of they've always had that really bad stigma of... But that's that was just it. That was so lazy and reductive that... Like, it's cool to see that that stereotype doesn't exist, but everyone who played Magic knew that already. Yeah. You know, it's sort of like you go to a Magic tournament, every kind of person's there. So, you know, like one of my best friends who plays Magic with me locally, he's like, oh, yeah, the whole wrestling team in college played Magic. (laughs) I was like, well, the whole wrestling team used to give me wedgies in high school, but I take your point. (laughs) No, I mean, that's always one of the things that, I'm grateful for for now, like how open, you know, gaming is now. I mean, not just Magic D and D, but just gaming in general. Because my kids no longer have to go through that. I, they no longer have to go through being made fun of for liking video games and all that shit. It's it's nice. It, it's also a little bit. There's a cynical side to me where it's kind of like, well, fuck. I mean, I'm glad it's open, but it's also kind of like, well, fuck you. You didn't have to go through what I had to the go through. The gatekeeper in you is like, you didn't have to lay down on the goddamn barbed wire. Yeah. But, like but, I did. Are you shitting me? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. No, I, I I get that impulse. And it's wrong, but it feels right to dwell on that a little bit. Yeah. You know, it's sort of like, oh, oh, oh you just get to like whatever now and you don't have to get any <laughs> shit for it. You know what yeah. I got called in high school? Are you shitting me? Like, yeah, yeah what do you? what are you gonna do it's 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 better that it's open you know yeah i mean just like everything with pop culture um but yeah um yeah it's cool ruben seeing going over to D &D. um i've been a huge D D nerd for a long time it's and i didn't actually start playing fifth edition until was it like almost two years ago i want to say oh my god we played second um because we knew some like really OG people that played yeah. like back when no one was playing. And then we got hooked up with their group in high school. And they're like, we play second edition. So I learned on two E and yeah, that's what I learned too. That was my first as, one. As much as like fourth and fifth are so much better. There's something to like, I know what Thacko means. There's, you know, there's, there's a, a little bit yeah. of like gamer pride almost like, yeah, I learned the hard way. Like it's like me driving a stick, right? Like I drove a stick until very recently. I just yeah. traded my my last Civic in for, you know, a new Prius for my wife. So, oh, man. <laughs> 2E is like driving stick. Like, you don't, you, you benefit from knowing the additional stuff, oh, I would yeah. think. 
Oh yeah. So I, it's, like, um, yeah, like you, you no longer in fifth edition, you no longer get you know, you know, negative bonuses for picking a race. Which to me, when so I played second, I played a little bit of fourth, maybe like one or two games, and then I dove into fifth. And then looking to fifth, and I'm looking at all the races. Like you don't get penalties for choosing races anymore now, and just that kind of blew my mind right there. Yeah, I th- I think they kind of baked in a lack of bonuses into the rest of the game. Yeah, almost. But yeah, like I don't know. I've I've played other game systems where there were a lot more penalties, and like oh yeah, that's it's kind of cool. But like. <clears throat> it's also a little bit infantilizing. It's like, you don't know how to role play like here. We'll, we'll hold your hand and and show you exactly that your character has drawbacks and all this stuff. I don't think there's a wrong way to role play. Cause I Mm -hmm. I think people who are more serious will find a more serious group. And I think people that just want to goof around with their friends and, you know, drink, will find that group too. So just the more people play in those games, the better, honestly. And, uh, I don't know. I don't get any money for for plugging D&D to anybody, but I like I don't know. I got a lot of friends that uh that do it and I find new friends that do it and I've exposed people to both magic and D&D sort of wherever I move and I don't know. It's it, it's it's good for your imagination, I think, you know. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Did you check out um Tin Street Hooligans D&D episode that I DM'd? You know, not yet. Um, I I'm trying to get caught up on the backlog oh, of all me, of. I, uh, I know what you mean. <laughs> I know exactly what you mean, man. Ever since I got hooked up with John and we started doing a podcast together, I'm like, well, what else has he been about this whole time? So it's been. Uh, yeah. Ten Street Hooligans is a a good cast. I'm just trying to get caught up. Oh yeah, John's a pretty cool guy. I mean, he likes Orzov, so I mean, he's. But other than that, he's pretty cool. Hey, you know. I got asked last night like what my guild was, and I thought I was Simic for the longest time, and I think I hate all my Simic decks. Ooh, really? Like, I'm starting to think, I'm like, I really just want to build Tasa Karloff. Like, I'm not even going to build Vanifar. So I'm sort of like... I mean, that new Tasa does I, look super sweet. I'm like, I like doubling stuff. That's why I was Simic. I like the word double, right? And for a while, Simic was the double yeah. You know, you had Varel the Hulkling, and you were, you know, you had your <laughs> your hardened scales and your doubling season, and your Vorel, and you're just like, all right, I got 50 counters on my Hydra, and when it swings, it becomes 100. <laughs> and now it's like, oh, Taste is the double commander, where you skull clamp and draw four, and then, <laughs> oh you know, your God, Worm Coil yeah. has four death-touching tokens instead of one, and you're like, all oh, right. Shit. You're blowing my mind, because I haven't even tried to brew around her or anything like that, but I'm still waiting to open up my case of Ravnica Allegiance. That goes to show you, like how much of into magic I kind of am in right now. I'm not even like that excited to open it up. Can I tell you four words that will make you want to build a Tasa deck? Sure. Double grave pack triggers. Double grave pack triggers. Why can so I... whenever you grave pact is whenever you, a creature on your side of the board dies, your opponent have to sacrifice a creature. Oh my God. But Tasa right. doubles okay. that. So every time you oh, throw shit. a one, one token on your Ashnod's altar, they got to sack two. Whenever creatures Gets. can draw each other players. Oh, fuck that thing. Yep. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, that... So you have access to Butcher of Malakir, Grave Pact, and Dictate of Erebos. Oh, my God. That's, yeah. Yeah. 
Okay. So I I'm mean... sort of like, am I Orzov? I don't think I'm Orzov. I think I'm Simic still, but like, I hate my Tatiova deck. I will have turns where I'll put 11 additional lands into play, and then everyone watched me take a five-minute turn, and they're like, did you win? I'm like, oh, no, no. I did not win, sir. I just put seven lands out. Go. That's and they're like, oh, Yeah. Just kill him before it comes back around to him. Like, I just don't like that. I, oh, and I don't like my um, how easy it is to win with Kaidel and Thrasios, where I'm like, well, I just generated infinite mana, drew my whole deck. <laughs> Was that fun for anybody? <laughs> Watching me take a seven-minute turn? Bleh. I think Simic is too good. I would... And you know what? It's my fault, because Rashmi is probably the perfect Simic commander for what I want, and I've never built a Rashmi deck. What about so, Perfix? That's that's my all-time favorite commander. It's it, yeah, that's uh, it doesn't do the simicky stuff I want, but I, like I think it, it it's just solid, right? Like yeah, you just get to do big mana stuff real easily. Yeah, play big dumb creatures and do big dumb things, and that's that's pretty much why I like the deck. Um, and it's probably my best deck. Now the way that I build EDH decks is not so. My group that I play with, we're we're really competitive, but we don't play a lot of the dickish cards. We don't do land destruction or anything like sure. that. Um, we may do spot land destruction, you know, but no mass land destruction or anything like that. And if we have an infinite turn, we'll usually just or or infinite combo. I mean, um, we'll usually showcase it once, and then we'll either we sometimes put that deck away and then play something else. Sure, you know, so. It's we try not to be too dickish, but we we try to we're not really casual or anything like that. Well, building for a group is is good. Yeah. If you know what the expectations are within the group, that's good. That's sort of why I advocate doing that as opposed to building the seventy five percent kind of stuff for everything. Yeah. I think seventy five percent deck building is good if you don't have a known group. You're sitting down with a bunch of people you don't know, which is what happens to me all the time at Grand Spree, right? Yeah. Either someone wants to get a game with me because they know who I am, or I just see people playing and invite myself, or I'm invited because I'm standing around watching. Whatever. Mm -hmm. People who don't know each other all sit down to a game. Chances are people are not going to bring out their turn two Hermit Druid command like competitive EDH <laughs> deck. Yeah. So chances are a 75% deck is going to be appropriate for the table no matter what people are playing. And Ever since I started building that way, I've been real confident taking any deck in my bag that's 75% out at any table. And that's why I like it. I think everybody should have one 75% deck just for people they don't know, for a weird situation. Yeah, I've got that. Yeah. Just something to sit down with. But if you have a playgroup, don't bother with that. Just just tailor to your playgroup because everybody has their own unofficial ban list. Everybody has their own, hey, it's three points for winning the game and five points for making Jason lose God, sort of rule set. I can't handle those kind of we, – we tried to implement a league like that like uh, two years ago where, oh, you get you know X amount of points for doing this or that. And it, it just – everybody would have this checklist like as they're playing a game, and we'd spend too much time looking at this checklist to see if we did something instead of playing. It got to be too much. It can be unofficial. Yeah. I think my playgroup's only points is three points for winning and five points for making me lose. <laughs> and then we've never done anything with the points. It's just <laughs> – just say let's make jason lose who's your commit who's your one commander that you like to play with that 75 percent mentality when you're playing with people you don't really know i would say my 75 percent ds 75 percent deck is my new xantia deck where oh, um the rakdos one right yeah okay so you give permanence to other players so i was like well what if i ran 
got lots of chaos and uh, bizarre traitor and uh, a harmless offering and stuff like that and gave them permanence that when I mind-slavered them could really wreck their day. So oh, you sack shit. a creature to give them cursed totem. Is it cursed totem? It's There's cursed ring and cursed idol, I think. Just, it's just, the one where you sack a creature to give it back. Just so you know, I am terrible at card names. So oh, me gonna, too. I built the deck it. and I don't even know. Is it cursed? <laughs> I think cursed totem is like the jester's cap or something. It, it's okay. Whatever the, I think it's cursed idol and cursed jinxed ring or something. I don't know, man. Cursed ring. Some magic There's card. two permanents that you, they have a bad effect and you can mm -hmm. sack a creature to make an opponent gain control of it. Okay. So you mind slaver them, you sack it, gain, and then you say, I will sack a creature to give this back, but with that on the stack, I'll sack another creature to give it back, and then you sack all their creatures. <laughs> oh, so you wipe shit. their whole board when you mind slaver them, or you give them a Zuran orb and sack all their lands. Ooh, that is nasty. Or you just make them just take a really bad turn, and then you use the, the Goblin Welder combo to keep getting your mind slaver back. You know, because you've God, got... That's nasty. Because you got Doretti, you've got Scrap uh, Mastery, you've got all kind of stuff in red to keep getting the Mind Slaver back, and you got like Gamble and stuff to tutor for it. So yeah. <laughs> it's a it's a really fun deck, and it's it's so slow, and you're not going to get somebody twice. Like as soon as you play that Mind Slaver, like no, I'm just going to kill your face. So you got to be real careful. <laughs> also, you can just be like, hey, this guy's got Zancha. Everybody have a draw fest, and then kill him with Wound Reflection. So there's all kind of cool stuff you can do. Um, Zancho was a real, uh, a real great commander from a real bad deck, and uh, yeah. I, that that's that's what I'm doing right now. And it's not even really all that simicky. It's just a, a real seventy five percent thing. I think what I like the most about seventy five percent is stealing other people's creatures and killing them with them. I think that's the the best way to handle it. Because I think if you bribery somebody and you get their best creature, they can always deal with it. Yeah, that is true. So, like, if someone's got, like, a kitty cat precon and you take their Miri, they're like, okay, they can deal with Miri. But if someone's got, like, a really good deck and you take, like, a, an Eldrazi or something like that, they can hopefully deal with the Eldrazi. So, I find if you're playing with somebody and you have nothing, you have no idea who they are, what they're about, and you bribery them, you get to see their whole deck so you know how to handle them, and you get a creature they can deal with. Mm -hmm. So, that's why I love stuff like Vettelkin Shackles, Bribery, Acquire... Thought I'd Dell. I think those are the perfect 75% cards. Nice. Nice. I think my 75%ious uh, deck would just be Omnath. It's Green or uh, red? The red-green one. Okay, yeah. And just ramp up, play Omnath, and just swing. Sure. I mean, because I'm a blue player at heart, and um, besides Omnath, all my other EDH decks are all blue. Um, I even do Grand Ar Arbiter Augustine when I don't want my playgroup to play any magic. Um, <laughs> I don't really go. do... I, I don't do a stacks version per se, like to where I build up a pillow fort and all that. Um, I just do more of a nope. Like, no, you can't play that. No, or I'm going to steal everything you've got type thing. Well, what do you think of the new Lavinia with like Armageddon so shutting off their mana rocks? fucking disgusting <laughs> it's so gross um because you got all kind of stuff in white to blow lands up you got ravages of war and you got ways to accelerate your own lands like your uh weathered wayfair and stuff like that yeah i know it's disgusting it's i don't know if i want to put her in my grand arbiter deck or not but um i don't know i mean i could always try it i want to play that deck but i don't want to build it because i will only want to play it one or two games and i don't want to <laughs> you know put all the work into building the deck i can send you my list if you want 
Um, so you could see what I got. You fucking cat. Are you serious? <laughs> this hey, everybody. Cat. Here's my kitty cat butthole. Hello. Yeah, hello, you stupid cat. Yeah, oop. <laughs> she didn't land. <laughs> uh, whatever. She'll be fine. She's I thought they were me. always supposed to land on their feet, and then no, this one. It was ever, it was ever thrown a cat. They're like, ah, and the cat looks up. You're like, what was that for? And you're like, I thought you were gonna. I trusted you. I... <laughs> the, com- the comedian Pete Holmes has a great bit about people that hold cats too much. The yeah. first time he held a dog, he just dropped it from like, <laughs> just like he was holding it. And he's like, let go. He's like, all right, dog. <laughs> Expecting it to like wreck like a cat, and it didn't. Yeah. That's such a great bit. Um, do you do, so you said you mentioned you do stand up comedy, right? Yeah. I, uh, I host a weekly show and then, um, I, I've stopped doing open mics as much okay. and I, I found that didn't actually hurt the amount of paid work I'm offered. So I've really? been at it about, yeah, I've been at it long enough over three years. So I'm sort of at the point where everyone's going to pay me is going to pay me. I think okay. like doing more open mics isn't really benefiting me. So I'm, I'm podcasting more, doing more magic projects. I'm listing more on TCG player and buy listing more. I'm just making more money. Like stand up was costing me a ton. You go to an open mic, you buy three drinks, you hang out all night. You don't sleep much cause your daughter wakes you up at seven 30 and then, yeah. you know, Oh, yeah. I, I'm happier not doing the open mics as much, but like I have an act, I I don't feel bad accepting money in exchange for. Oh, oh yeah, sure, it's your time you're spending for that. But like I don't feel like I'm putting out an inferior product. I I was yeah. doing, you know, five six shows a week for three years, so I've I've got an act now. So do you uh, have a steady um act do, or not not a steady act, but a steady um amount of shows you're doing right now that are paid or? How's that um, out? I'm sort of at the level where I'm getting really steady paid MC work okay. and the MC is just the, the, the worst gig because the way the, in the U S the MC kind of does the least amount of time and brings mm-hmm. up all the other comics and then sort of has to fall on their sword and, you know, get the crowd who's just there to drink and yell acclimated to the fact that someone's on stage. So your jokes don't always go over and that doesn't feel yeah. great. But it's mostly because like you interrupted their conversation t- to read them rules. And they're like, we're adults. We came here to laugh, idiot. Yeah. So the MC spot kind of sucks. In Canada, Like f- for whatever reason, the MC does the most time. So the best comic on the show is the MC. Really? That's but we don't, we don't do that in the U.S. It's sort of like I'm at, I'm at the level where like the, the companies that, that like the, the real bookers are just starting to use me a little bit and Mm -hmm. you do MC gigs and they're bad and they don't pay much and you have to drive a long way and that's where I'm at. So I'm getting the steady MC work. I can feature locally and uh, MC regionally. So you just kind of like build up from there. So it's, I, uh, I could be putting more effort into it than I am now, but I kind of, I am kind of happy with the way my time balances currently. With the amount I'm doing on stand-up, the amount I'm doing on podcasting, card selling, being a decent dad, sleeping occasionally. Like, I, I like the new balance. I'm drinking less. I'm, you know, driving less. I'm spending less money. I'm making more money. It's good. Um, oh, that's good, man. I'm glad I started comedy, and I'm, I'm glad I made so many contacts. Because, like, that's finally starting to pay off. No, that's awesome, man. So I guess going a little bit more into stand up here because I'm always, I love stand up comedy. Um, 
I'm always interested in it. So when you made a little comment earlier that um, you said, like, the community, I guess, or, like, trying to get known or recognized in stand-up comedy is a little bit different in terms of people are trying to step on you or or trying to, like, one-up you or, try, or really try to think of it as a competition to try to be better than you. Is that what you kind of meant, or what do you mean oh. exactly? A little bit. It's just there. There are way fewer opportunities in comedy, and you can't create as many opportunities that are like paid. Really, okay. you know, it's hard to just. Every comedian who starts a podcast starts it with three other open micers, and they talk about open micing, and no one listens. And then they do four episodes released like six weeks apart, and then after like half a year, when they've done four episodes, no one listened to. They're like, podcasting sucks. So you can't like make opportunities like you can in magic with magic there's so much going on there's lore there's competitive play there's casual play there's there's you know cosplaying aspect there's all kind of stuff with comedy there's not like comedy's not a a thing like magic you know it's just a, a series of people's ideas and you can't build canon around something like that that's why games are great that's why movies and stuff is great star wars was like for a while it was six hours of movies that spawned two hundred and fifty thousand books and drawings and you know discussions and but with with something like comedy it's it's hard to it's so ephemeral it's hard to build a community around it other than like we're all doing this thing where we're trying to talk about our ideas. So the, the lack of opportunity and the fact that this like, man, in the 1980s, if you said, I want to be a comedian, you went to like three open mics and then you got to be in the burbs or whatever. Like that was, that was, that was it. Michael Keaton did comedy for like a year and he's like, Oh, I get to be Michael Keaton now. It's like, it's kind of, it's kind of like that for some people, but for the most part, it's not like that anymore. And you have to, you kind of have to be in New York and L.A., but people don't think so. And so they're like, I'm in Michigan and I'm going to be a comedian. So, I mean, he can. There, there are people doing it. There are really funny people that just but everybody moves eventually that yeah. that gets really good. So I, it, it's not that I don't like the competition or whatever. It's just, I don't like people acting like it matters more than it does because I'm not trying to be a professional stand-up comedian or I would move and I don't want to like, I, I don't want to have it be all of my focus. I don't want to be, have it to be hundred percent of my identity. I don't want to go to Chicago and spend all night doing five different open mics that are all seven comics in the audience. No one's laughing. Because they're just there to do the open mic and leave and go somewhere else. Yeah. And I'm not saying I'm better than that because I kind of would like that for a while. But mm-hmm. I'm married. I got a kid, another one on the way. We got a house. We live in a city where if she goes through K through 12 here, she gets free college at a state school. Like I'm. Oh, nice. I am tied down. I'm like I'm. I've put down roots here. So yeah. like. The, only, the best I can hope for is, like, continue to do some regional stuff, host my open mic, and just, you know, kind of have fun with it. And it's it's fun when you don't care, I think, right? And yeah. I stopped caring as much, and ever since I stopped caring, I've had so much more fun doing it. Because it doesn't feel like a job anymore. It feels optional. I don't have to go to every open mic just because 
I'm not trying to to do this. Mm-hmm. So I can go when I think it'll be fun for me. So like that just that little slight change in my attitude has has made it a lot more fun for me. And all of a sudden I'm I don't know because I had never had any aspirations beyond like maybe trying to do this locally or like regionally. Yeah. Like Midwest wise, and uh, now it doesn't feel like work anymore. So. Well, no, that's good. That's good. No, I'm just interested to hear your um, perspective on it because I listen to, you know, some other comedian podcasts, mainly the really popular ones like Bill Burr or Joe Rogan or Burt Kreischer and all that. And just and I love hearing them talk about the old days of comedy and um, how, how it was getting up, you know, trying to make it back then. And for, the way they describe it always made it sound like it was way harder back then. And today it's a lot easier now due to social media. And um, it- there was less competition back then. So, oh, yeah, for sure. So, like, they had to drive farther. Yeah. They had, there were fewer mics. There were way more mics now, but there were way more people. So, there were way more, there's way more competition. So, like, I, I think it's, it's just different now. It's not, because they, they say, like, oh, it's easier with social media, but, like, Dane Cook is, like, the same age as Bill Burr. So, like, what does he even talk about? Because Dane Cook oh, was the guy really? that. Holy shit. I thought Dane I Cook was it's, younger. I, I bet I bet he's within ten years. He's. Damn, I gotta he, look that up now because. I I bet that their ages are within ten years of each other. Dane Cook is a little younger, but like a guy like Stephen Hofstetter, who basically just leveraged YouTube, a guy like Dane Cook that basically just leveraged damn, uh, right. They're four MySpace. Years apart. Yeah. Oh shit. <laughs> so, <laughs> those guys could have been using social media. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's just, but like you hear, like Rogan talk about how he and like a couple other guys would just like, I was talking, I think I was talking to Greg Fitzsimmons after uh, a show about he and Rogan drove like three hours for an open mic. I was like, that's awesome, and I've done that. There was an open mic we liked in Saginaw, Michigan, and we drove from Kalamazoo to Saginaw like a couple times a month, <laughs> just for for no money, and it was just it was just amazing. You eat terrible food, you get like you drink too much and you have to sit around talking to people smoking cigarettes till 11:30 midnight to sober up and then drive back 3 hours like the people you meet are are great like you make so many friends doing it just cuz it sucks for everybody. Yeah. So you have that in common like they're that those are the trenches that feels cool. But, you know, so like so there's way more opportunity. There are more mics you can go to. It's easier to get better faster. But there are so many other people. You still have to be the hardest worker and you still have to be so funny that you're undeniable. That hasn't changed. Like. Nobody except with. Oh, I don't I didn't want to (laughs) say it's like I don't think anybody who's not really funny is getting famous just on the basis of social media. I think it just helps people who are going to get there anyway do it faster. Yeah, yeah, I can see that then. So it's pretty much the same field from what you're saying, but just slightly different, like in terms of just how accessible it can be compared to... The bottom of the pyramid's wider. Yeah, yeah. But the top is just as narrow, so it's just more people making it more of a thing at the bottom. You know, there's there's more of a, you know, you're you're sucking more people in. So uh, the people that end up at the top are better because you just you're getting a larger pool of people to choose who your funniest comics are, and there's yeah. a longer gauntlet to go through to grind off the rough edges. 
Yeah, you're not going to get a sitcom pretty easily nowadays, I guess. Uh, there are more opportunities for sitcoms, though. So I mean, unless you go to Netflix or something, then. So uh, there's there's just there's more opportunity, and there there's so many funny people now. Oh yeah. Like people, most people don't know the funny comics anymore. Like everybody in the '80s knew like all five people who were good, <laughs> but like <laughs> yeah, they're know, just. Right? There are so many people. You read like these listicles online. It's like seventy-five comics who are up and coming, and it's all people that I've seen come to the clubs locally, feature, just destroy, and then like the headliner. So like the the feature, they're like doing their best twenty-five minutes they've ever written in their life, and then the headliner's like, I just cut an album last year. I'm trying to build back up an hour. So the headliner's okay, and the feature is amazing, and you're like, I'm gonna see this person's name soon, and then you never do. Like, to just there's too many really, really funny people for oh, yeah, anyone for sure. to know all of them. So you read like these lists of like 50 up and coming people and like some of them end up on SNL. Some of them get passed at the store or get a job like running the door or something like that. Some of them end up writing for somewhere or, you know, but for the most part, you just for all, there, there's just too many people who are just too funny at the middle and it like the selection process to to be a household name and when you say household name how many stand-up comics can the average person even name like 10 they know kevin hart and amy schumer and like that's it so it's it's tough but also i kind of think you have to either not be able to do anything else or not want to do anything else to even do it so I'm in an enviable position where I can kind of be like a, I feel like a hobbyist and like, I, I think a lot of people think that either I'm not serious about it or like I'm mocking them in some way. I mean, like, so you said, you're doing it as a hobby though. Like, a, like yeah, a side so it, it's, it's, it's weird. And, and maybe people think like, I, I think, I feel like maybe I couldn't handle it and maybe I couldn't, but like, well, I'm at a, I think right now it, from what it sounds like, it'd be hard for you to do right now, just due to your family. Like if you were single, it, you probably, maybe you'd be farther. Maybe, I don't know. And maybe I still wouldn't want to. Yeah, you know? true. Yeah. You so like the, the capacity to which I'm involved in the community is, it's a good one for me. I like it. So I'm, I'm perfectly happy with the way things are right now. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, and you know, that speaking of, you know, how wide, you know, the bottom of the pyri- pyramid is, you know, that we could also relate that to magic, too, in terms of content creation. I mean, there it's the, especially the past few years, it just seems like there's been an explosion of magic content creation. I mean, it's always been there. And um, I've been following magic content for what for I, I finally I've been hooked on the game since um what was it? M12 or no M12? No M13. Um, that's I didn't start in M13, but that's when I came back and I haven't stopped since. And sure. um, just the amount of content that's just exploded since then, you know, myself included, it's crazy. I, I see so many like whenever Wizards, you know, features certain streamers for Magic Arena, I'm like, who the fuck are these people? Like, who are they? And they, you know, have so many thousands of followers. And I know a lot of them aren't exactly Magic content creators they're more the you know the popular twitch streamers then you yeah. do see some of the ones that are magic streamers and we got all we paid a hearthstone d- dude yeah. 250 bucks to stream arena yeah yeah pretty much but um and then you're seeing more and more like youtubers podcasters and you know writers and all that stuff coming through and it's just dude it's so much to keep up with i can't i can't keep track of it all anymore but 
you can figure out pretty quickly. That's why I think Brainstorm Brewery is so successful because we carved out a niche, and mm-hmm. I think it took everybody else a couple years to be like, "Oh, there's nobody doing finance. We should be doing this." You know, that's when like a couple other, like I was writing for Quiet Speculation, talking about our podcast for like years, and then like Quiet Speculation five years after Brainstorm Brewery launches, like we should have a podcast. Like, yeah, you should have five years ago. Like, you know, yeah. I, I feel like. You have to carve a niche out, and I feel like a lot of people are doing that well. Mm-hmm. You know, there's like there were there were two podcasts about EDH for like three or four years. Yeah, like at the start, I don't know when Magic Podcasting started in earnest. I want to say it was probably like 2008, 2009, maybe. Probably. But like in the beginning, there were like three podcasts about everything, or one or zero, and now it's like, oh, we found a niche. It's you know, there's there's a lot of people doing their general magic podcast, but I think you have to find some hook. And I think the, yeah. the good ones have done that, you know, so. See, that's my problem. I need to find my little hook or niche. It's more of because I do solo episodes and interview episodes. And usually, um, you know, my solo episodes, I'll talk about wherever the fuck I feel like. Just sure. Whatever at the time. And then interviews, it's I only really bring on people that I genuinely want to talk to. And just just like how we're doing right now, we just shoot the shit and just talk about whatever, whatever comes to mind. So, no, I, I can see that. And like I said, even with other podcasts I've seen, um, some of my favorite magic podcasts, um, I don't know if you ever heard of If Lands Could Kill. They aren't really doing a podcast. They, they aren't really active they, right now. But. They hung out with us in Vegas. I want to say they were part of like, I, th- I think it was the 2015 Vegas house that... Uh, the Brainstorm Brewery Money Draft uh, Heavy Meta House oh, in okay. Vegas, 2015. The Athlans Could Kill guys were uh, were with us there, and uh, Dude, I love those guys. Oh, they are they are animals. They right. that was they were a <laughs> lot of fun to hang out with. If you're gonna be in any U.S. city with those dudes, Vegas is the city you want to be. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And then um, one of my other favorite ones is the Tryhards. I don't know if you ever heard of them. I. I mean, like I've seen a lot of the names of a lot of podcasts. Yeah, I was um, I w- for like six terrible months. I was in charge of uploading all the new casts to MTG Cast. I'm sorry. Yeah, but like it wasn't that. It, it was just yeah, it was just a lot. And uh, <laughs> so I, I've seen the name of a lot of podcasts that I just don't have hours in the day to listen to. Unfortunately, oh, I know what you mean. Yeah. Now it's I've been trying to like one of the things I've been trying to do this year is to try to find just new mtg content creators and maybe some D as well just to see you know hey what's out there because like i said in that article i wrote there's a lot of times you just feel like you're not being heard you know you could be doing everything right under the book and you know but you just feel like no one's just giving you a shot or anything like that and that's i'm trying to do that give shout outs here and there when i find something good and you know i'm not going to give shout outs to everybody because you know let's just be honest there's a lot of content out there that's just not good you know well and it's we're all amateurs right so oh, yeah. like s- some people just have chops from doing something else mm-hmm. like i feel like stand-up helped me podcast and podcasting helped me do stand-up yeah so i feel like there are people just some people are just good at it naturally and uh i, I feel like some people just haven't found their niche yet I-, I feel like if you listen to the first 50 episodes of brainstorm brewery they're kind of embarrassing so that oh, took yeah. us a year to get good. So, yeah, I, I, I think the people 
I think everyone's bad when they start out, and then you got the people that are bad but quit because they're bad or quit because they don't have the discipline. Mm-hmm. And I think they're the people that stick around long enough to just figure it out. And I think some people get better faster, but I, I, I think you just have to stick with it. Mm-hmm. There's, there's no substitute for just putting five hours into reading for every hour you put into podcasting or whatever the the correct ratio is there. Yeah, yeah. No, I know what you mean. No, I mean like I said, it's a tough gig, and um, it's, but it it can be fun. Um, one part of the article I, I said um. Like, you know, I thought the coming up with content was going to be the hard part. You know, just trying to get noticed. Like, no, that's the easy part. It's really trying to get yourself out there is the hard part. At least for me, it is. You know, like getting your networking, meeting people, and, you know, knowing who's who in the community and all that. I almost feel like there's like a second class of podcasters. There's like a a lot of people that I don't know, but they all know each other. Mm Mm-hmm. So kind of, I, f- I felt like I was in like the second class or maybe first class of podcasters. I feel like there was like the Manipool and everybody else. Yeah. Manipool and like. Yeah, Manipool has been around forever too. Manipool, um, who was the first, was it not Command Cast? Was it Command Cast? Commander Cast? The one with like Carlos Gutierrez was on, like the, the OG one that's Is been going for like. Or Commander Ring? No, Commander. Uh, or shit, which one? No, I know which one you're talking about. I can't yeah, remember. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. it was like. Manipool, those guys, like Monday Night Magic. Yeah, Monday Night Magic, yeah. Like, uh, UMTG Taps, the A-Team, mm-hmm. like, you know, the, the those podcasts, like, the, at the, like, the very first, and then sort of, like, I feel like Heavy Meta, Brainstorm Brewery, like, um, people, like, I can't even think of another podcast. That, there were, like, 25 podcasts, and I know all those people. Yeah. I just can't think of any off the top of my head. But then I feel like there's the people that are sort of like been at it like a year or two that are sort of like the next class and they all know each other. And I kind of feel like I'm like, ah, I wish I knew these people. And so what so, you're sometimes trying to say is you guys are like the OG Degrassi generation and we're Degrassi, the, the next generation. Maybe, or we're saved by the bell, the college years. And then you guys are like, <laughs> no, <laughs> nobody wants to be saved by the bell, the college years though. Nobody, no. <laughs> they got screech and belding and that was it. Come on. Um, yeah. Maybe we're we're next we're Star Trek the next generation and then you guys are like I don't know Voyager Discovery okay. no not Discovery I'll take Voyager or or Deep Space Nine you know I'll take oh yeah Deep Space Nine that was a good one so there you yeah. go so are so you like a, are you a Star Trek fan I I thought Star Trek was boring for longer than I should have like well past the age where I would have enjoyed it I felt mm-hmm. like I thought it was boring cuz I tried watching it too early cuz I you know everybody I knew grew up on reading rainbow so I was like oh Lavar Burton's always talking about Star Trek maybe I'll watch Star Trek so I I had my parents I was like when is this show on they're like okay they put me in front of the TV they're like here's Star Trek there he is there's Jordy LaForge played by your boy Lavar Burton I was like ah oh! then I watched the whole episode I was like this is boring cuz I was 4 Oh yeah, of course it. it'd be boring to a four-year-old. Yeah, I, like, I, I like Star Wars. I liked Star Wars at the time, oh, so yeah. I always thought oh, I'm a Star Wars guy, not a Star Trek guy. And then you go back and you watch Next Generation now on like Netflix. You're like, oh shit, I would have liked this when I was like 12. Why didn't I? So, I guess I like Star Trek now, but I just don't have the I don't have the knowledge because I haven't spent enough hours watching it. Just because I feel like I missed it. Oh yeah. So like, I never watched uh, Voyager, Deep Space Nine much like a couple episodes here or there 
Well, it's I've definitely watched... worth checking out all of it. It's all really, really good. I just I'm so overwhelmed by how much of there, how uh, much there is butting up against all the good stuff coming out now. I haven't even watched all the like the good stuff out now. Plus, I've wasted time watching terrible stuff on Netflix. Yeah, I'm on my second rerun of The Office right now. Don't even do it. I, lo- I love The Office. I'm I'm already almost done. I'm like halfway through season seven already. So <laughs> it wasn't even a good season. Yeah, because Michael leaves at the end. It's so sad. I, I kind of I don't know. Like someone was like, "Hey, man, uh, Parks and Rec is better than The Office. Don't at me." And I was like, "Cool. You think Bud Light is better than Miller Light? I get. It. I think those shows are just so like acceptable and generic. It's just sort of like, why aren't you watching The Good Place?" which is like the fat tire of TV shows or something like that, right? I, like, why not? I, I saw the first season of The Good Place. I could not get into the second season at all. Oh, like, no. Like, <laughs> I, I got like two or three episodes into season two, and I'm like, all right, I'm bored. Like, it, it felt like the <laughs> magic kind of went away from the show after season but one. But it, it keeps... Does it, it get better? Oh, yeah. Because it... Well, it's, it's, it keeps changing. Because you kind of felt like it was possible they just didn't have that plan all along. Yeah. And you kind of never lose that feeling. You're like, either they planned this meticulously from day one or they're flying by the seat of their pants. And the fact that you don't know, but everything's retconned so perfectly, you're like, oh, that that all adds up. I don't know. I just I'll evangelize about that show. Maybe maybe it's a second shot. Maybe it's super basic of me to like the good place. Maybe, like you know, maybe, maybe. I'm no better than the people who like Parks and Rec, but who knows? I, I think the reason why I like The Office so much and probably a lot of people's because, you know, I work in a corporate environment. So you see and plus I'm a manager as well. So when I see the stuff that Michael Scott does, it's like, oh, my God, it's like I, I can just put picture myself trying to do something like that. And it's like, oh, dear, sure. God, I'd be fired so fucking fast and. And the fact that he can tell the person of HR just to basically fuck off, it's, you know. I've, I've, I'm not going to pretend I haven't watched every episode of The Office twice. Yeah. Who am I to sit here and <laughs> pretend I haven't? I have. And I've watched all of Parks and Rec. And I watched all of How I Met Your Mother and didn't even enjoy it. I have never I, seen that I watched show. every stupid episode. And my wife and I were like, oh, this will pay off. And we just like watched the whole thing just because we found it acceptable, it was like just good enough not to stop watching. And I was, I was it like, one I, of those, is it one of those kind of shows where you can just turn your brain off and not have kind of, really kind of? But there's so much good television, yeah. That like you d- watching something because it's just good enough not to stop isn't enough of an impetus anymore. Because there's just yeah. so much good stuff out there, dude. It's crazy how good television is nowadays. We're, I mean. Because there's so many, because there, there's less gatekeeping. There are yeah. fewer people in a position to be like, well, sorry, we have two networks and CBS and ABC both don't want your show, so you're done. There's people can just, they're like, well, fine, we'll make it on YouTube original yeah. <laughs> or on Hulu or some weird network you've never even heard of. Like, people are just taking chances on stuff and finding their audience. And yeah, the fact that you don't have to now. sit down at 9:30 p.m. on a, you know, on a Thursday anymore to, to see your stuff, is good too. You can oh, binge. That, that's that's the best part because I don't even have cable anymore. We just have Netflix, Hulu, and Amazon Prime, and all that. And 
I'm about to start paying cable. I'm, you know, it's getting to the point where like they're just going to bundle all your stuff. Oh, I and know. it's going to just it, be like cable. It's four or five years away from like, what if you could get Netflix and Hulu and PBS Kids and Amazon Prime all under one roof? Oh, here it is. Well, I mean, you've seen that Hulu offers live sports now. I mean, you have to pay like forty bucks a month for it. But hell, that that would be the only thing I miss from TV is just you know being able to. Not that I'm a huge, you know, person that watches sports all the time, but hey. You know, like Super Bowl's coming up, right? It's I want to yeah. be able to just put it on just for you know just to watch it, or or like the World Series or hockey, or you know. But, I watch every Blackhawks game, but I just stream them. Mm, yeah, I see what you mean. Or I'll go to a local uh, bar. That's like a. It was a, a a guy who played hockey locally. Took all his local hockey money and just bought a couple of burger joints, and then he turned the bar area of one of them into like a hockey bar. He put like boards up and stuff. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, so I like hanging out because he's always there, and uh, there's always five TVs with five different hockey games on. So I'm like, yeah, why would I pay forty bucks a month when I can pay forty bucks every time I come here? <laughs> yeah, true. Twice a week, so oh, yeah, I'm an yeah, idiot. That's so what I'm saying. Eighty but. bucks a month, yeah, no, that sounds about right. <laughs> yeah, I'm just I'm doing it wrong, is what I'm saying. But uh, are yeah. you? But uh, are you though? Are but you? am I exactly? You? So <laughs> you're enjoying it though, right? It's Cause, it's cause a better. You're getting out of the house. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna go drink and then get in my car. I I solved it. <laughs> Thank God for Uber now. I live in Kalamazoo, Michigan, man. Uh, Uber's not safe here. Is it really not? There was a there was a guy who was an Uber driver, and he went on a murder spree, but he was picking up passengers <laughs> in between shootings. Well, okay. okay. And just, so, like, conveying his passengers safely to their destination. So he wouldn't kill the passengers? No, to, no. Okay. He's like, oh, that's kind of near my ex-girlfriend's house. I guess I'll go blast her and then pick up another <laughs> passenger. And go. Yeah, the guy was nuts. And uh, he recently dropped his insanity defense. So I don't know, man. Like the whole thing is is crazy. But like the guy's name is Jason Dalton. So it's like three letters away from my name. So I'm like, oh, that's cool. (laughs) Dude, that's crazy. Give me any. Yeah, it's like, I don't know. It's just crazy shit happens everywhere, man. Especially Florida. Especially Florida. Yeah. I know you were like, I guess I'll live in Florida forever. I'm like, okay. Florida hey, man, it's yeah. Florida no, man memes. It's you know, I mean, it's really not that bad. I mean, it it's funny because I was just recently talking to um, uh, Al, who's part of Cheshire Play Games over in Australia, and um, you know, over in Australia with guns being banned there, he's like, yeah, but don't you have to worry about shootings all the time? I'm like, not really. I mean, I, you know, because he knows all the Florida man memes, and he's like, yeah, but then you have to worry about getting shot. I'm like, I mean. I mean, if it's going to happen, it's going to fucking happen. Don't more people live in, like, Tampa than all of Australia, though? So, like, it's like, Florida's a big state. There's a lot of crazy stuff, but it's all spread out. You probably never even encounter a person on bath salts screaming about how the government put a chip in their brain, um, swinging a shopping cart at the police. Actually, I mean, Tampa, (laughs) yeah, I've seen some crazy shit. Um, It's not... So, this happens almost every morning on my way to work. Um... There is a crack dealer that, I mean, you, you can obviously tell, I don't know if he's exactly dealing in crack, but he's a drug dealer. and he, He's probably got a diversified portfolio. He probably deals crack plus. Plus meth. Or, yeah, you know, weed, of course, obviously. But, um, 
So he likes to wear various costumes. The costume that he likes to wear the most is Spider-Man. Nice. And it's, you know, I, I, I've told my wife this too. It's like, yeah, you know, saw the Spider-Man crack dealer. And then there's also this other lady. I'm not sure if she's just homeless or another drug dealer, but she, she is, um, and I'm not really trying to make fun, but this is just sort of the colorful characters you see in Tampa um, every morning on my way to work at, you know, 7.30, 8 a.m. Um, you know, this lady who's in a wheelchair only has one leg, and she's, like I said, I can't tell if she's a drug dealer or just homeless trying to get money from people, but she'll she'll like to go up to random cars and random people and either if she's trying to sell something or what have you. So those are the two people I see almost every morning. That's good to have familiar faces on your. <laughs> My friend moved to Tampa recently, and he loves it. But I, mean, I think it's because he sells storm windows, and nobody sells more storm windows than a person who lives in Tampa. So. Oh my God! Yeah, you'd make a killing doing that shit, man. Um, yeah. So the one thing I always like to tell people about Florida is so, like Tampa, Orlando, Central Florida—that's a melting pot. And then below that, like where Miami is is all pretty much Cuba and Puerto Rico um, and rich people on Coke all at once. And nice. then, then right north of Tampa is where it gets southern as fuck where there's Confederate flags flying everywhere. <laughs> so you got to go farther south to escape the south? Yeah. I like it. <laughs> and, and it's funny. Um, so I, I just, when I went to GP Atlanta um, earlier last year and – so it's crazy how much of a difference there is between Georgia and Florida. Georgia, everybody I met in Georgia was like nice as hell, like that southern hospitality feel. And as soon as I cross that border into Florida, everybody's a fucking asshole. Like not not even. That's because they're from New York, and then they went to Florida to die. They're just like mean pieces of shit from Brooklyn. <laughs> yeah, pretty much for the most part. Because <laughs> it, it, it was just such an interesting dichotomy because like, I'd hold the door open for someone at a gas station. They'd just fucking mean mug me or just not even say thank you or just, you know, say, like, get the fuck out of my way. I'm like, what the fuck, man? I didn't do shit. Um, so you've been to Chicago, right? Oh, yeah. So I went to Chicago for the first time back in November for a radiology conference. And I've never been there before. So down here in Florida, everybody drives like an insane maniac. And it's not uncommon to see road rage incidents happen. Um, so when sure. I when I went to Chicago and I saw the way people drive there, dude, I did not see a single person get mad or anything. It blew my mind like that. Oh, they 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 drive like garbage, but like they all drive like garbage. And no, so you're and like, not you a can't single get person mad. Got mad. Yeah. yeah. Because they're like, oh, I would have done the same thing. <laughs> like, it was insane. I'm, there was a few cab drivers that we were in the cab, and I was fearing for my life. And just the way he was driving, like a complete asshole, and, and he n not mad at all. Like, if I were to do the same thing in Tampa, that cab driver probably would have had a shotgun out, pointing it at someone, and sure, who the fuck knows. <laughs> Now we, we got it down here in the Midwest. We uh, <laughs> we figured it out. <laughs> every state in the Midwest thinks every other state in the Midwest are terrible drivers. And it's just, eh. Because, like, you see someone driving like a dick, you're like, that guy's a dick. And then they, you see someone driving like a dick with an Illinois license plate. And you're like, of course, Illinois. They come here. <laughs> they drink all our wine on the west coast of Michigan. They come here for the weekend. And they, they bring their terrible driving. 
and uh, yeah. it's just everybody is a terrible driver everywhere. We were yeah. talking about before the cast. It was that that Dunning Kruger effect, right? Like yeah. everybody thinks they're an above average driver, but I got bad news for people: half of you are below average at driving. Half of you, just that's how yeah. averages work. So like nobody thinks they're a bad driver, but half of you are. Oh, Sorry. Yeah. And you're going to be so, that asshole driver that cuts someone off and not mean to and then probably cause a road rage incident and then hopefully they don't have a gun. And I might be a bad driver. I don't know. I, I how, how do you know? What, I mean, what, are, what makes someone a bad driver? I don't get in wrecks, but like I drive inconsiderately. So what are you going to do? I mean, not, maybe I, not maybe paying I attention sometimes because, you know, I, I've done it. I've done that before where I cut someone off and didn't mean to. And yeah. You know, shit happens maybe everyone's bad sometimes but old people are bad all the time and they should have their privileges revoked how dare you how (laughs) dare you that's oh some old guy crashed into a pharmacy so now toyota's gotta (laughs) recall all their floor mats because jebediah won't admit he hit the wrong pedal yeah that's like um uh, what was it? I think a year or two ago, we have this game store right across the street from my office, and um, it was an old guy drove straight through the entrance of it. Nice. And, and I don't even know how he would have done that because it's such a small parking lot where he would have. It felt like he would have either been completely fucked up and wasted, or he had to have done it intentionally. So I'm going more since we are in Florida, where it's like you know the pill capital of the U.S. I'm most likely <laughs> wasted and fucked up. So he thought the game store was a demon and he was going to smite it with his car. Probably, probably, but he didn't. El Diablo. He didn't cleanse it with holy power. What the fuck yeah. is that cat doing right now? What is? What the fuck? Okay. He's off camera, so I don't. Who knows? No, no, my cat is just like standing up on my counter and looking at something on the wall, like she's gonna eat something. Hey, man, cats, cats are weird. They do that sometimes. Oh, dude, I've got three of them, and I, you want one? I, I can, I can uh, mail you a cat. When you said you had three, I was like, oh, good, maybe he'll take mine. No, <laughs> that's that's thanks to my wife. She's the she's the cat woman. Like I love cats, but I, I'm good with just one. All right. She So you love cat. Yeah, I love cat. <laughs> and um my wife decided to get two more and it was, you know, what what, what can I do? Yeah, one was a present, all right. Yeah, one that you didn't even want. That's and... not a present, that's yeah. an obligation. <laughs> that's like getting somebody yeah. a, a, an obscure gift card for Christmas. Like, "Merry Christmas. I got you an errand." <laughs> oh man. I mean, all right, um uh, Let's talk about some magic. Um, Should we? I guess. I mean, it is. I mean, a what magic is podcast. what is there? There's a new. There's a new set. The new set's cool. Oh, oh, you know, even Maybe better. Prices let, go up. Let's do some magic hot takes with all this oh. coverage going on right now. What, I know stuff that most people don't know, and I don't know how much of that I can say. So it's weird. It's sort of like. I mean, okay, so I don't want you to get in trouble or anything like that. I mean, so, you don't have to. So we recorded this on Wednesday. So like on over the weekend, they're like, "Hey, no." coverage at the gp at all and then wednesday channel fireball said we got text coverage and instead of oh, saying oh. hey channel fireball has text coverage everyone's like why no video coverage oh, and before before you go any further um i i will tell you this uh that this episode will not be released until um 2020 2020 no it's not gonna come out until february 15th so everybody that's listening 
you're that you're listening on February 15th. So by then, you know, maybe Watsy pulled a 360 and we're back at the same spot where we're at right or now. Or Channel Fireball just hired the video people. Like, yeah. Okay, so like, just bear in mind, we didn't know what you know listening yeah. to this. But <laughs> what I do think is that within 48 hours, Channel said, hey, it's not really our obligation before, but we're going to step up to the plate and hire all the text people. They got that done in 48 hours. So, like, just remember that there was a 48-hour period where Channel Fireball is like, we hired all the text people. And then everyone went, no video coverage. I kind of think this will be solved in two weeks. Like, there's – because all those people were contractors. And the fact that they were contractors made them so easy for Wizards to go like, hey, we don't need you anymore. But it makes it so easy for Channel or Star City to be like, hey, you know what you're doing. You've been doing it for years for Wizards. Corbin – Star City Games has like really stepped up their game, you know, yeah. lately. And Corbin knows yeah. that he's being sent to Toronto, and that's February eighth. That was last week. So Corbin already knew within forty eight hours of them saying we're not going to do this anymore that he had a gig within two days. So yeah, I need to get him on the podcast. I've never, I've never met. Oh, him before I'm sorry. I'm I'm sorry. You got the wrong brainstorm brewery guy. Oh, poor you. Oh, man. Well, <laughs> Oh, I, you know do, who I really, you know who I really like is Corbin. Oh, I'm, no. oh. Do, do I oh. need to, I mean, do I need to stop this now? This is getting awkward. <laughs> <laughs> got real awesome. Oh, shit. Oh, are you not Corbin? Man, I got the wait, wrong son of a bitch. Wait, you're I, not Corbin? I knew it. Oh, God damn I, it. I told my booker to give me the guy from Brainstorm Brewery who's handsome and funny, and you well, got me Jason instead of Corbin. Son was, of a I bitch. I was trying to get the chair, too. Um, well, the chair died, so. <laughs> but, um, no, I, I'm sure everyone on February 15th knows, but the chair died an awful death mid-January, and uh, everybody who's a patron at brainstormbrewery.com or Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash brainstorm brewery at the $10 and up level is getting a vial of dead chair ashes sent to them. Are they, so are that's, they really? Yeah. Oh that was my a, God, that's fucking awesome. That, that was something we decided <laughs> like to get a little piece of the, you know where I got the idea? Um, my sister-in-law bought me a little puck, a little plastic clear puck full of water. And she's like, that is ice from when the Blackhawks won the 2015 cup at home. I was like, that's amazing. So I got her the same thing last year when the Capitals won. And it's just like a little cup of water. I'm like, yes, yeah, it's, it's it's water. That's stupid. But then you're like, no, that's game ice. They played the game on this ice, and just yeah, something that, that about having cool. that. Yeah. So I'm like, why not have some ashes from Corbin's chair, the squeaky chair that drove everyone insane? So. <laughs> no, it's kind of like getting a game ball, right? Yeah, it's yeah. it's like you get a or like a, a stadium chair when the stadium yeah. closes, something like that. Like you get a piece of the action. So no, we that's, uh, we, that's that'll, really awesome that you're doing that. We have had to go to crazy lengths. I think there are bigger podcasts that like Wizards supports, you know, that like everyone knows about, like bigger podcasts with a bigger platform um, that have fewer patrons. And I think it's because we will do any stupid, ridiculous stunt as a, a Patreon like publicity push. I was Guy Fieri for a whole month because I was like, <laughs> oh, I don't think I'm going to get to this level. I forgot yep, about I, that. I dyed my hair. I dyed my facial hair. I shaved I it into that. I completely forgot all about oh, that. Oh, yeah. I bought the shirt, the flaming Crocs. I did the whole oh thing. Oh, my I, God. I, that's I, awesome. A whole month. And then my hair took like two and a half, three months to grow out. And I did it because whatever, man. We got to give the patrons what they want. So, Oh, yeah. 
Corbin burned the chair. We're uh, we're gonna have our wives come on the podcast and talk shit about us. Like, we'll do that'd be hilarious. I will get drunk and stream Chandelier. I will get a Brainstorm Brewery logo tattoo on my body if we get to a certain amount. Like, there is awesome. no dumb stunt we won't do for our patrons. Just because, how grateful are we that we just play a children's card game? And we get to talk about the prices, and I get to have the easiest job in the world, which is taking a bunch of envelopes to the post office every once in a while. Yeah, you know, and uh, paying attention to prices, and I get to podcast about it. And the, the patrons pay just to make fun of me in Discord and do a bunch of memes about what a cartoon of a person I am, and uh, I get to go on other people's podcasts and monopolize their time. And Sorry, uh, my cat is like looking at me, like she's about to pounce me or something. She she never she's never usually like this. Sorry. What's my voice? I, I have that effect on feelings. <laughs> but um, yeah, you were. Saying I, I found a Discord. genie. I was like, make me a pussy whisperer, and then he like <laughs> did that weird Twilight Zone twist where I can only talk to cats now. Uh, so uh, how how dumb is it that like we get to do this? It's amazing. So like the oh, yeah. the fact that we're just so grateful for. You know it's ridiculous when you try to explain what you do to a relative. They're like, what's this podcast you're doing? And you're like, well, we talk into a microphone and people send us money. I just explained it's like a, a chair. radio show. It's, yeah. it's like you're like, on the radio. Like Little Orphan Annie? Like how old is this relative <laughs> I, I made up that doesn't exist? Uh, about 90. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like It's like radio. It's like people at the gym – or at work at their boring job, just listen to me talk about magic for an hour. Yeah. You're like, why would anybody want that? I don't know either, but I'm grateful. No, and that's an awesome thing. But um, getting back to coverage here, um, do you have any other hot takes you want to say about it? <sighs> magic has overcorrected. Here's the thing. It's not just wizards anymore. So everyone, I think <laughs> this is going to sound suck uppy, but I think every good decision they've made has been Watsy and every shitty decision they've been made has been Hasbro. Because when every time you hear the wizard CEO talk about stuff versus hearing the Hasbro CEO talk about stuff, they seem to be at cross purposes. So like the Hasbro CEO is like, yeah, I saw my nephew play into Fortnite's and the Magic's an esport now, and it's sort of like, oh, why do you need coverage at GPs? Why don't you just have pay people seventy five grand to go on the Twitches? My nephew loves the Twitches, so it just it kind of seems like we're an esport now. We don't need this shit. But you do need this shit. Like, I realize they don't make any money out of GP coverage. That was, like, their advertising budget. Yeah. And, like, they were paying a lot. But, like, the game suffers. And I think within 48 hours, the backlash has been so strong that I think they are going to maybe phase in some stuff that was going to take them longer to phase in quicker. Mm -hmm. And I think people are like, yeah, see, Wizards didn't know what they were doing. But I just... I you got to allow for the fact that there are clueless Hasbro people that just don't give a shit about magic and think magic is the same as their angry birds monopoly or whatever horseshit Hasbro. Yeah. Makes. They make so many dumb. Well, we make rock'em sock'em robots a movie. Like they just throw so many millions of dollars at dumb ideas. Like the, they don't know what magic is. Because they just work at Hasbro, and they're like, yeah, that's, uh, that's that game that makes us some money sometimes. I don't know nothing about it, but uh, it's an eSport, whatever. Just fire everybody that doesn't. I, I think Hasbro taking over has made Wizards kind of make some decisions they wouldn't have liked to. And 
I'm giving them too much credit, maybe, but maybe I'm not. You know, maybe there's yeah. some clueless shit going on over at Watsy Hasbro, and we just gotta like understand that Wizards has done a gr- pretty good job of pivoting when when they make a misstep and the community bitches. Like, how many things have they done that everybody said they hated that they kept doing? So, I, yeah, like I shorter s- rotations that that I, turned around pretty quickly. I hate to see the bitching, but at the same time, maybe the bitching's working. So it depends on what the bitching's about, really. It's, yeah, because I get people like he didn't even get a trophy for winning the GP. Well, lots of past GP winners have said they posed with a fake trophy and they got a personalized one sent yeah, to them later. That, that one was really overblown. It's like, yeah, yeah, that that one was kind of stupid. Pick but, your battles. Yeah, like if you're gonna bitch about everything, your bitching means nothing, and that's the thing. So like. It's cool that people complain about the really big stuff like, hey, pay the pros. Hey, have the artists come. Hey, you know, stop cutting corners. But at the same time, they bitched about every aspect of Mythic Edition. They're like, it's too much money. And then it sells out. They're like, you didn't give us enough of a chance to buy it. It's like, which is it? Oh, and now it seems like Ravnica Allegiance Mythic Edition isn't even doing that well, or people... No, they made ten times as much. Oh, oh, that's what it was. They made too many Mythic Editions now. Because they sold out so quickly on the last one, and everyone complained. They're like, well, there's more, and they're like, nah, well, it's not as good anymore, (laughs) because... I know. You you can never win with Magic. It's like like they say, you can put a $50 bill in a Magic pack, and people will still find a way to bitch about it. They'll bitch about which way it was folded. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And it's, I mean, I don't know. Um, you you got to, but I, I mute certain phrases. I find that if I mute the phrase reserve list, but not reserved list, I don't see as many tweets from dumb people. Uh, I just mute people. Like, yeah, that, it's just, there's certain people in the magic community. I just don't want to hear from you. Because it's just stupidity after stupidity or just bitching or just uh, grandstanding after grandstanding. I'm like, I don't fucking care anymore. Just shut I don't, up. I don't mute people. I just block them. And then, man, people don't like that if you block somebody. Eh, you know, maybe I, I'm one of those like, eh, maybe I want to see what they're up to or something. And then it's like. You can oh. still see what people tweet if you block them, but you don't have to see what they tweet. It's it's oh. a good I didn't know they it's, changed that now because I thought it was like once you block them, you don't see it. No, it's like you have this person blocked. Do you want to see their tweets anyway? And you say, yeah, view tweet. Oh, okay. I'll remember that. Um, yeah, there's just certain people I mute, but I don't, I don't just because, well, people like Jason blocks a lot of people. That seems like a bad move as a content creator. Like, what do I owe someone abusing me just yeah. because I, I write articles? Like how much abuse do I need to take from somebody because like what do I owe people? I don't know. Yeah, you don't like, owe them shit. And I've I've had people like retweet something shitty somebody said, and I'm like, oh well, I don't need this guy. And then I block him. They're like, oh, I never even interacted with him, and he blocked me. I'm like, mm, okay. Like <laughs> it's kind of funny. Like yeah, do I block more people than I should? Maybe. But like I also don't feel this dread in the pit of my stomach when I get on Twitter like I used to. Yeah. I used to like really like, oh, did someone say something shitty? But like when you get rid of shitty people, you don't see shitty tweets. And Twitter is a pleasant experience for me now because I've curated it a little bit and I'm interacting with my friends and fans. And that's what I want. I don't want somebody saying something shitty about finance or something shitty about an article I wrote. I just don't need it. 
And mm-hmm. if that's wrong of me as a content creator or whatever, well, I've limited myself a little bit in my prospects, but I've limited myself anyway by having the dirty, stinky taint of finance on me and tweeting so much political stuff and just whatever all the decisions I've made that were quote unquote wrong. Yeah. Uh, I'm at a place where the people I interact with are people I like. I yeah. have a pleasant Twitter experience. You know, we get on riffs, we have fun. We retweet each other. People yeah. who are collaborative are the people I'm interacting with. And just, it's been good. I, I enjoy Twitter now because I block people. And, it, ah, and that's the way you got to look I don't, at it. I'm too. not going to, I'm not going to apologize for that. And it's, it's made Twitter a lot easier and more it's easier to stomach for me. For sure. All right. Another hot take. Go. About w- magic wizards, whatever. I think bitching about Nexus of Fate was dumb because now we're not going to get good store promos and good store promos was a great way to subsidize buying a box. Like you don't think you Nexus could, of Fate was a mistake? Maybe from a design perspective, but w- like Wilderness Reclamation was a mistake from a design perspective. Like Nexus of Fate Yeah, that yeah. didn't hit 100 bucks. Like what's a worst case scenario for like a good car that hits like 30 bucks? Good. There's cards and boosters that are thirty bucks. Like, what are you bitching about? Like, I, I think I agree with you. I you think should Wilderness have is worse than Nexus. Honestly. You should have good promos because if it hits twenty five bucks and you paid a hundred and five bucks for the, the 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 booster box at the store and you got a twenty five dollar card, then you paid eighty bucks for a box and like yeah. that's close to what I pay. Like, what are you bitching about? Go to your LGS, and and now the promos are bad. They're they're like big dumb like 15 mana creatures that no one gives a shit about and they're worth four bucks like oh well that's the promo i'm not gonna go to my store well yeah no shit so i think man the bitching didn't help there i don't think because people still bitched about fire sun and sunspeaker that's a five dollar card that nobody plays like it didn't matter like people that said oh fire sun and sunspeaker are fine but it's a bad precedent and then they're like, see, Nexus of Fate, I told you. Like, they're never going to have another good promo. And that's stupid. Go buy the boxes at your LGS. Support your LGS. Because that's where you play, idiot. Like, oh, I got it on Mass Drop for $5 cheaper. Cool. Did Mass Drop let you play the pre-release at 2 in the morning? You idiot. Like, I get real heated about this. Because I'm like, I think people should support their LGS more than they do. And oh, yeah. the buy a box promo was the perfect way to, like, reward people for doing the right thing and they bitched about being rewarded you know um, how you get four nexus of fate go fucking buy four boxes you solved it you should buy four boxes from ELGS anyway then you get all the cards you need if you buy four boxes you have almost every card you need in a play set from the new set and yeah, like yeah i realize that's 300 bucks for people but then like if you don't want to spend 300 bucks and get four nexus magic? of fate like <laughs> or just pay whatever it is on TCG player. Like I, I just, I, and it, I realize that there are so many people that there's going to be factions. They're like, it's 2,500 people bitching about one thing and then they do a different thing. And it's a different 2,500 people bitching the other way. Mm-hmm. But it just, the whole ping pong effect looks ridiculous to me, even though it's different people. It's just like within the same community. Mm-hmm. Oh, I know two different groups of people upset about two different takes on the same thing. And it's, it's just, there's so much complaining. You have it so good as a magic player. You know what you don't bitch about as a magic player, $125 card getting reprinted as a common in the next set and drop into a dime. 
you don't get Yu-Gi-Oh'd ever as a magic player with it's, the reserved list and they're like yeah, they're yeah, the control over the reprint policy. Yeah, it's very rare for like a really expensive card to suddenly drop down in price to like 10 cents. You don't get blown out in magic nearly as much as you do in other card games. And that's yeah. why magic has been going for 26 years. Yeah, this would be 26 years. This yeah. will be 26 years. Yeah. God, they're crazy. doing something there it's the best card game magic is the best trading card game oh, in the yeah. history of the Hands planet down. yep we're so lucky that oh, we yeah. picked the right one that so, we didn't like ah, put all my money in wavern like so, <laughs> we, we all made the right choice like uh there's oh, so yeah. much to be happy about and i just i'm bitching about bitching which i realize is like meta bitching which is even bitchier because bitching about bitching deeper. is it's even i think it's useless right because Bitching about stuff is maybe sometimes useful, but bitching about bitching is not going to solve bitching. So, or like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> like, bitching about coverage kind of fixed coverage, but bitching yeah. about bitching about coverage didn't fix coverage. So no. what am I fixing? You asked me for a hot take. I'm sort of venting. This is how I feel about stuff, and, like, uh, no, you're I don't good, get man. to talk you're about good. this on my own podcast. So you being in finance... Um, <clears throat> You, you can you don't have to confirm or deny this but what do you all what do all you finance guys wear when you meet at the secret cabal meeting every year to try to manipulate the market black hooded robes what kind of dumbass question is that like what so it's all black hooded robes then oh name a secret cabal that's like meeting to undermine the uh the economy of anything you know like that set Brexit into motion or met to get Trump elected. Like what shadowy cabal that's out to ruin everything doesn't mean in black hooded robes. Like I, some dude in a, a shadowy cabal is like, I got all these, I ordered way too many black hooded robes. <laughs> and then he and his friends are like, all right, we're going to get together. We're going to make it. So every shadowy cabal, we're the first shadowy cabal, but all future shadowy cabals have to wear these robes that you over ordered. Cause he transposed the uh, decimal place in order, you know, 10 times is more than he needed. So we've got shadowy robes for days and we, we wear the, the hooded you heard black that robes here. and then we, we ruin. You heard that here for first magic Wazubi confirmed the shadowy secret finance cabal. Um, we kidnap Mark Rosewater's kids. And if he ever gets rid of the, the reserve list, we're going to send him pieces in the mail. That's what we do. I mean, I wouldn't expect any. That's different. too far, probably. Right? That's. Uh, I mean, probably. So yeah, it was a joke, but I didn't. I didn't execute that well. Uh, I mean, it happens. Uh, real question, though: Do you think there's actual money laundering happening happening in Magic Finance? I think there is more people bailing out of crypto. I don't know that there's a ton of money laundering per se. I've thought about that. I was like, this would be a good way to launder a couple million, but like. Other than that, no. I think it's. I think a lot of people who cash out of crypto bought a lot of cards at GP Vegas this year. Mm-hmm. But I don't think money laundering per se. I think it, it's um, buying at retail and like trying to sell the cards near retail is hard. So you lose too much of a percentage. There are way easier ways to launder larger sums of money. How far away do you think we are from counterfeits being undetectable? I don't think they'll ever be undetectable. You don't think so? If uh, maybe 
it's it's a long way off. Everybody thinks the next batch down the road is going to be the one that does it, but they it's getting better just... and better. I mean, yeah, you, you can you can still tell, especially by feel and tear and by the um. Fuck but what, there's the loop. but but there are no counterfeits that have come around that like are better than Dark Beta from 1994, when someone actually physically stole the the like the printing yeah. apparatus. And got the color mixture wrong. Like, no Chinese counterfeit has ever been better than a 1994 Dark Beta counterfeit. So, like, I'm not worried yet. Um, do you, but think, I also do you just, think it's eventually going to happen at some point that they're going to they're gonna get it right one time? I don't think there's enough money in getting it right. Oh, you don't think so? No. Especially because with reserveless, I, you think it'd be more them trying to just do modern and maybe. High. But it would be just like one person, like ah, I got all the dual. Land. And I think, I think anybody who would do that wouldn't introduce the copies into the market as slowly as they would need to for people to realize something was wrong. Mm, I see what you mean. So one person might make a couple mil and ruin the economy, and then we're just done, and it just sucks for everybody, and. That could happen, but also I just the counterfeits I've seen are so bad. And maybe it's like, well, yeah, you caught the bad ones, but you didn't catch the good ones. But I just don't think they're good counterfeits that are passing muster. I just really don't. Now, I've seen some good ones um, in terms of just more of, you know, probably people like you and I, we can tell the counterfeits. But to like an average player at a GP or something, they're not going to be able to tell, you know, and um Especially if they're not looking close at the card. And let's be honest, not many people are going to really look close at a card while they're playing at a GP or something like that. Well, there's a little bit of variance between individual printing uh, lots, too. So there's there's some stuff. So I'm I'm not worried about it. Um, But, like, the game has to end at some point. And maybe it's counterfeits it doesn't. Maybe it's something else. Maybe it's a, some Hasbro exec being like reserve list, but yeah, get rid of it. Maybe it's just people just don't want to play this game anymore. Now I think I, it's going to be Wizards is going to monumentally fuck up at some point and just going to cause a slow mass exodus. But like how? I don't know how they wh- fuck up, but what yeah. what decision could they make that once they realize it was going to end the game, could they not reverse? I don't know. I don't know what it would be. Um, so I just I I can't anticipate this game being still here in twenty years, but I can't anticipate it ending. I can't. I I feel like I can't imagine either outcome. I mean, even if they did end it, let's say they ended it next year. I mean, how long would stores continue to even sell Magic? Then, be, you know, because there's still going to be people wanting to play it. Obviously, if Magic ends and everyone's like, "Wow, well, I better sell my collection," I will buy all those collections. Fuck yeah! I mean. I, and I will sell all those collections because people still buy the stuff on eBay. They will still yeah. be able to EDH decks. The cards will still like. I think the game will continue for 10, 15 years after Wizards prints the last card. Just yeah, because I can of. I definitely see that. Because the game's so good. And when's the last time they printed a new, like, first edition Dominion set? Like, I feel like. You know? Yeah. Stuff like that. Like, stuff that's ended, people still do. You know, oh, yeah. so I, I feel like the iconic stuff like your power, that's going to be pretty expensive forever just because yeah, it's not even about the down. playability of the card. Mm-hmm. 
like people buying lotuses aren't buying them to play vintage right now they're buying it to have a lotus yeah so uh, it's hard to anticipate magic ending because it's like how long past wizards not doing it anymore and would somebody buy that license and be like we hired a new team we're gonna make cards we make the game I, now i could definitely see that happening another company like an indie company doing that you know so like, like some startup how, what would it take for magic to end? It would, cause you can't even say, Oh, obsolescence because like Hearthstone is a more accessible game. Hearthstone mm -hmm. didn't even magic sort of like, Oh, we got five years to deal with that. They uh, were so nonchalant about Hearthstone coming along. They're like, Oh, a really good game. That's accessible. And, and it's blizzard. Original yeah. designer left blizzard. Jesus. <laughs> so like that shit. So, uh, what would it take for Magic to end? I can't even. I can't even imagine it. I mean, and it, like you said, it's I, going to end at some point. It's, it has to. Yeah. Everything ends. But like, are we talking the heat death of the universe? Or are we talking five years from now? Yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know, man. It's it's an interesting to think about because, like I said, it would. To me, I think it would take wizards to royally fuck up something that would just I just can't imagine that they would make a mistake that everyone goes well we're not going to play magic anymore and they go good eat my ass I can't imagine that there's <laughs> no decision that's that bad that they can't go oh well then we just won't do that <laughs> like who's that dumb know. as a company who's like I dare you to quit on mass <laughs> like we got a petition here with 200 million signatures good Stuff it. We'll get new fans. Like I can't they imagine. They reprint the dual lands. Ooh, that wouldn't even cause a mass exodus. I, that'd piss I off a lot of investors. But you know, I, but, but even that then, would, it's yeah, that would be that would be really like ending the reserve list would be really bad. But it wouldn't kill Magic. Though. But I, I don't know. I, how do you kill Magic? It's it's just yeah. it's so big. I just think people just would have to slowly stop caring. I don't think there's a big event, but I think it's just people. But magic means too much to too many people. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, you know, just thinking of just ending the reserve list, I don't want to get too deep into that, but I was just thinking, um, what was it last year or two years ago when everybody was on this big hubbub of we need to end the reserve list because legacy prices are skyrocketing now and everything's just going up, especially dual lands. I was sort of on that boat. I don't know how it is in your local area, but I was sort of on that boat of not really ending the reserve list, but at least do something about dual lands because those are kind of needed for a lot of legacy decks. Um, eh, you don't need them. No, 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 no I, I agree. But um, it's so I was on that boat for a little bit here. Just do something about the reserve list. And then, you know what happened in my local area? Legacy died. And now it's I can't get anybody to play Legacy now. And I, has Legacy does Legacy thrive in your area right now? Uh, we play more vintage than Legacy at this point, and I think it's it wasn't the duelist, or the dual lands. I think it was Star City, not doing Legacy tournaments anymore because it used yeah. to be, you know, like they had uh, Sunday Legacy sometimes or whatever. Yeah. They had like one day was standard, the one day was classic like, and all that. Yeah, the classic and stuff like that. Yeah. There was there used to be Legacy events every weekend and now they just they stopped covering it. And that, that's what killed Legacy, the fact that it's not a Star City thing anymore. You know? Yeah. I don't think it's the dual lands because they were always expensive. Yeah. it's um, uh, It just kind of gets me sad a little bit because I only have one Legacy deck. I only have Legacy Elves. But um, even then, it's 
you know, it's... how many duels does that elf deck play? Um, like if you were if you really wanted to play Legacy, there are a dozen like tier one or two decks that don't have a single dual land that you could do well with, or yeah. you could or you could play the you could play Howl Fountain instead of a, yeah. a Tundra. It's not as good, but like you can get away I, with it though. So I so with if Legacy, if it, but if it, like just that just that one situation if. Is that enough of a reason to like fundamentally undermine the entire secondary market that like is the reason you can get cheap singles and like the reason you don't have to bust boxes? Like back in the day I had to buy precons to get rares I wanted because like I didn't know any other options. People don't want to go back to that. No, no. No, I agree, but um no with Legacy Elves it only plays two duels most of the time, two bayous, but I don't sure. even play bayous in them. I got the um uh, Gaia's cradles and just said fuck it I don't need the duels I just use the the um overgrown tombs because they're because with legacy elves you, you don't really care about life too much you're gonna do your combo and try to win by turn three sure but um yeah it's so that's interesting you're playing vintage right now or well or... yeah but let's say it's proxy vintage so it's not sanctioned oh, okay, but like okay. the people that want to play vintage don't care they just want to have enough people so like there are people are like oh i can't play vintage because of the reserve list and it's like there was a proxy vintage event where you could have showed up with 75 basic lands and a sharpie and played in it for five bucks and you didn't so are you sure what you're really upset about is not being able to play vintage because that was like a, do what you I have opportunities every week you know? print out really shitty copies of those cards and paste them onto your basic lands. You and, you have the opportunity to play vintage now, and, yeah. and if if you were playing a proxy tournament every weekend and you wanted to play a real tournament, I could see that. But like, we got seven people. <laughs> Kevin Crone from so many insane plays came down to my local store, and we got seven people. So where are all these people that are clamoring for playing vintage, but the reserve list is stopping them that they didn't play in a, a proxy tournament? Yeah, no, I'm right there with you. It's um, it's I don't know, man. It's I feel like like I have I'll be honest, I've not been playing magic at all lately. Um, I've been playing a little bit of arena. Um, haven't really been playing too much paper magic. I not saying that I I guess in a way. I'm getting a little burned out because I'm getting tired of standard. Um, well, the, standards, it's real good now. Well, I liked last standard um, with Guilds of Ravnica. What I've seen so far in Ravnica Allegiance, I'm not too excited about right now. Um, just nothing. Well, really all the two color me. decks are three color decks now. Yeah, for the most part. So, like, there's a whole like Golgari like, turned to Saltai now and. But it turned to Sultai and Dobzon. So oh, like Ab Abzan going around too with it? It's not as it's not as good, but like it's a possibility. Like you have oh. Golgari Golgari decks became Jund too. Like Oh Jund. Okay. I'll have to look those because I love me some Jund if I can get away Because you it. you got the uh you got the stomping grounds finally. So like you Oh yeah, that's true. There are way more options now. Three color decks are like kind of a thing now that the mana is way better because you have the uh, the body lands oh, and yeah. the shock. So like, um, 
there's uh, you have like the the merfolk from uh from Exelon with the yeah. 1-1 counters now so you got all kind of madness with that you got people playing big dumb stupid wilderness survival decks that don't have win condition you got people playing hydroid crassus monster stuff you got all kind of cool stuff i really i like what standards about right now it's um yeah. it's it, it's probably the best standards going to be for a while cuz once uh Ixalan rotates and we get the next set like who knows what that's going to be like? Yeah, because we'll lose Ixalan through M19 come this fall. That's going to yeah. be that's going to be a lot of cards. Bye bye Teferi. I'm going to miss you. Oh no, it's going to miss Teferi. <laughs> oh, I will because Teferi's my boy. I, that's why I play blue white control in modern. Because I don't. Oh, okay. I don't okay. like people having fun. It's just sort of my thing. Uh, and a big reason of that is also because my freaking local meta is degenerate as fuck. Everybody wants to play the stupid, you know, I win, I win decks super quickly, and I stop them. I'm like, nope, you're not going to. There you go. Yeah. So, yeah. That somebody needs <clears throat> to say no to people, and I try to, I try to do that. I try to tell people no, because you know, I can't even tell a three year old no. She doesn't listen to me, so I can't imagine a, a grown opponent is gonna listen so you got a three-year-old daughter yeah she's the worst oh that's awesome man she's my best friend and she's a monster yeah i've got a god my kids are gonna be 16 and 10 this year oh so, no Jesus i don't have a fuck. monster you have two monsters what am i talking about yeah both, 16 yeah oh. both daughters and oh no you have a 16 year old girl that's the worst yeah love them to i can't death. Eat- and all that but you know. yeah 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 yada 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 but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh man yeah. my daughter's like this now i can't imagine i named her liliana because i want her life to be hard i guess i tried to call my youngest daughter ayla named after uh what character clan of the cave bears i don't know if you ever read that book series what what is it called the earth children yeah um it's about this um crow magnon cave woman that goes to live with some neanderthals it sounds really weird but it's a really good series it's um but um try, okay. try to name her ayla but instead my wife decided on zoe and so that's my daughter's name zoe and then i've got jazeline okay yeah those are those are cool names those aren't magic character names no i mean they could be one day they unlike my be. daughter liliana and my unborn son we're going to name soren so, wh- what's your daughter's middle name? Is it Liliana of the, or Liliana the <laughs> last, or... Right, yeah. <laughs> it's actually uh, it's actually Bradley, because of my wife's uh, father who died. Oh, okay. So now don't you feel like a dick, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Trying to put in a magic pun there, and we get, we get feels here instead. <laughs> no, a man succumbed to cancer, you monster! <laughs> oh shit! Um, Who's so- laughing now? Yeah. Um, so yeah, we uh, that was a, a I think a, a nice thing to oh yeah for sure to do for her fun because it's always weird because of the whole patriarchal like ah oh, the the wife loses her name so it's sort of like a gentlemanly concession to the bride's father to be like well we'll continue part of your family name too yeah. With like the middle names, I don't know. The whole thing's weird. You know, it's weird that we still do it, and who knows how many generations the whole "you take my last name" thing is gonna even. It, 
I mean, not to try to get too political, too. It's also weird that government's even involved in marriage to begin with. You know, I mean, not not just determining like, oh, who can and can't get married, but just all the the freaking you get tax benefits for being married. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like it's yeah, it's the whole thing is just kind of I've always found that to be weird because on the surface of it, why should the government care who you fucking marry? You know, like I'll take the tax break, whatever. Oh, I mean, me too, obviously. But it's also it's I don't know. I've always found that concept weird, too. Like, I wonder when that's going to end. Probably as long as we have Probably money, when a corporation not... marries a corporation and tries to get a tax break. Cor- oh, that's Well, funny. Citizens United said corporations are people, and since we're both male corporations, uh, we're allowed to get married, and we should get to file our, in- our taxes jointly as two married corporations. Yeah, so maybe that'll... We'll be like, enough of this. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. Um so many wedding traditions are just like for the family i think yeah it's yeah. like uh today's your day but not really so <laughs> yeah we, we didn't do a what we wanted to do a wedding and all that we were really wanting it but then you know life happens and we did the whole court court or courthouse thing I'm gonna say sure. courtyard um courthouse thing and you know that was fine we we were with her family and all that and then my family was like, well, you should have had a wedding and we should have done this. And then I'm like, oh, are you going to pay for it? Yeah, exactly. You're going to pay for that shit, you know, because yeah. I was making next to nothing at that time. Sure. It's like, yeah, you're going to give me some money. Nope. OK, then fuck off. Pretty much. Well, I think my generation is starting to be like, do we really need a diamond? I didn't buy my wife a diamond. I bought her like a $70 cubic zirconium. <laughs> yeah, you didn't have to pay any blood money for that. Yeah. I think cubic zirconiums are harder, scarcer than real diamonds anyway, but I just, I, I feel like some of the traditions we like and some of the traditions were like, that's dumb. And I, I, I think everybody fights with their parents' generation a little mm-hmm. to kind of be like, uh, how much of this tradition do we need and how much of this is dumb? So I think just every successive generation is just going to chip away a little bit at some of the dumb patriarchal aspects of it, but keep some of the pageantry and i think it's it's it'll every successive generation will be better for it because there's a lot to like about weddings and there's a lot that you know maybe it's just we've always done it this way so i think yeah we're we're just rebelling slowly and that's that's progress right that's the inexorable march of progress hopefully hopefully this is not magic at all, but that's. I mean, <laughs> in case you want to know my feelings about wedding traditions, I tune mean, into Magic with Zuby. And this is Magic with Zuby. It's where it's okay. It is magic related. You're in magic content creation. Yeah. Therefore, all my opinions are <laughs> are magic related in some way, shape, or form. That's know? right. So I bring on magic creators, magic personalities. Doesn't mean we always have to talk about magic. I mean, yeah. Let's. Uh, we can talk about magic. Name your favorite guild. Go. I don't know anymore. Okay. Name your favorite. Is it favor- Simic? Is it Simic or is it Orzov? I don't know. What's your favorite shard? Go. Oh, Bant. Name your favorite wedge. Go. The mana Wait. source. Bant's the wedge. No, no. Bant, Bant's a shard from Shards Yeah, Bant's of a shard. The wet. Oh, the wedges are the uh, the non. Okay. Yeah. The mana source. The mana source? No. Wedge Antilles from Star Wars. I don't know. <laughs> the wedge <laughs> from Final Fantasy VII. The guy. 
that dies on a staircase. I'm more about the wedge from Final Fantasy VI. I felt like he had a more of a characterization compared to from seven. (laughs) Yeah, he was just like, oh, I was like, oh, there's a guy named Wedge. That's cool that they brought him back. Oh, okay, he dies in a cutscene. Neat. Seven is one of those games where it's like, oh, Final Fantasy Seven's my favorite Final Fantasy. And then someone's like, yeah, explain that game to me. And then you go, uh, and then you go back and you play seven and you play nine. You're like, oh, my God, nine is actually as good as I thought seven was. Yeah, nine is good. Seven is good. I'd still hold six to be my favorite and the best. That was how old. How old were you when you played six? God, like six or seven. Something. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And then, um. And I've replayed it many, many, many times since then. I never had a Super Nintendo. I went right from Game Boy to PlayStation. That's quite, so, that's quite a leap. It was a leap. I had Game Boy for just years. I had friends with Nintendo and Genesis and Super NES, but yeah. like, yeah. I I got a PlayStation in 1997. I got a Game Boy in like 1992. So for like, yeah, for like five years, that was all I had was Game Boy. I so started. I played the, the Final Fantasy Game Boy games, which were really good. Oh, at Final Fantasy Adventure, Final Fantasy Legends, and all that? Yeah, the Legends 1, 2, and 3, and an Adventure. I think yeah. that was all that I played, yeah. Wasn't Final Fantasy Adventure actually a Seiken Densetsu game, if I remember correctly, or was that the Legends? Because one of them was actually not really Final Fantasy. It was a Seiken Densetsu, but they didn't want to bring it into America as that. That would have been Adventure, I think. Okay. Because it, was like, it wasn't a traditional RPG. Yeah, it was more like action RPG yeah. or something. Or, yeah. 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 I mean... Hell, I could probably start a Final Fantasy podcast. Actually, no, not really. It's, I mean, I did. Did you ever play Fifteen, the one that came out a couple years ago? I haven't played a game since Twelve, Ooh. which I loved. Twelve was fantastic. Really? I loved yeah. the combat system of Twelve. It was so good. The story, Jesus Christ, I hated it. <laughs> I it was so bad. <laughs> the story's never good in a Final Fantasy game. How dare you? How dare you? <laughs> Who gives a shit? Final Fantasy X made me blubber at the end, okay? <laughs> I did not want Titus to go away. And when Yuna tried to hug him and he just disappears into nothing. Spoiler alert. <laughs> I don't feel so good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. That broke my heart, man. Well, it, at least she had a lucrative career as a... A pop singer, singer dancer later. Yeah, oh, jeez. Yeah. A pop singer. I that game was fucking terrible. Jesus I confuse Christ. people because I'm like, I like Final Fantasy 12, and everyone's like, you're an idiot. And I'm like, I'm not talking about 10 2. I'm talking about 12. Okay. There Dude, was a 12. Who really gets confused about that? You have to be not- lots of people. I tweeted that I love 12, and everyone called me a troll. Like lots of people called me a troll. I was like, Jesus no. Jesus Christ. That wow, I- 12 was good. Yeah. Like I said, the battle system was fucking amazing in that game. Like the gameplay, just the story. I wasn't wasn't Vaughn like a last minute addition in that, if I remember correctly, because they wanted to have it appeal to kids or something. Because wasn't it so, like Balthier was supposed to be the main character? Um, I haven't read any of that. You oh, clearly okay. get way more into it than I do. I was like, Ugh. yeah, yeah. There, there's certain things that I get really into. Like, you know, I can go on and on about Tolkien. I can go on and on about Dragonlance. Go on about Final Fantasy and Warcraft and Diablo and. A little bit about magic, you know, just slightly <laughs> about magic, that too. Um, Why well, play magic with my magic podcast? I've been playing Castlevania, the Symphony of the Night, trying to you beat know the what? game in 30 minutes. You know, sadly, I've never played that game. Oh, uh, you'd like it. 
It's on the PlayStation Network. I bet as a download. It's it's good. I like it. I mean, I do love. I mean, I remember playing the old Castlevania games on Nintendo, Super Nintendo, and all that. Yeah. Um, you know, if you like Castlevania, have you seen that? Um, was it Bloodstain Curse of the Moon or something? No. So it's this indie game that's made by the original Castlevania creator. Okay. Uh, cool. It's an eight-bit looking game, and it it looks just like the original Castlevania and plays like the original Castlevania, but it's better. Holy shit, is it a good game? It's it's pretty short too, but um, it gives you different options and how you can play through the game over and over again. So, pretty pretty neat. What's uh, the platform out. for it? Um, everything. Okay. So like Steam, Switch, PS4, Xbox. Um, All right. So it's like a, a digital download on yeah. those other players. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely worth checking out. Um, uh, getting back into magic here. Um, your do we have to? I mean, we could real quick just fire off some stuff here before we end it. Um, favorite, yeah, let's do it. Favorite magic set? Go. Too late. What is it? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I was gonna say shards of Allura. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> is it no I way said shards of Allura. Is it shards of Allura? <sighs> Probably not. Probably Ravnica. Original Ravnica. It's not a bad one. It's okay. It's okay. It, I mean, I I got back into magic again during that time, and at the time I liked Kamigawa more during that standard because I was such a weeaboo about ninjas and samurai and all that stuff. Well, that that set really, in, in terms of how it's received now versus how it was at the time, that set has undergone the greatest, like, we were wrong about you. Because Kamigawa at the time, everyone's sort of like, oh, this sucks up against, you know, being between a really good Mirrodin and a really good Ravnica. And everyone's like, this adds nothing. All oh, no, of Betray- no, I, I all agree, of Saviors yeah. gave us was Pithing Needle. That's it. But now you look at all those sets, it's like a million $20 EDH cards. Like that set was, oh yeah, that whole block was fantastic. No, no, I agree with the sentiment at the time, but I still, I love the flavor of that set. Oh my God, that set was dripping. Well, and if you played it block constructed, it worked really well as a block yeah. constructed format. It was way more fun than mirrored and block <laughs> constructed. Oh yeah. But people just, I don't know, they wanted a bitch at the time. And like, uh, it's, Kamigawa's held up and they're like, we're never going back to Kamigawa because people will quit the game in droves. And I'm like, Man, they could do so much cool stuff with that. Yeah, j- just whatever mechanics they had in the original Kamigawa, stay away from that. Come up with something new, you know? Yeah. yeah. Make it better. You guys have become better at designers since then. Um, uh, what was your first magic set? Ice Age. Ice Age? Nice. Um, favorite magic card? Birds of Paradise. Most hated magic card? Birds of Paradise. Um Lightning Bolt kills Birds of Paradise. I don't know. Looks <laughs> hated. Like, it's... Why would I hate a card? Maybe Armageddon, just because, like, no one's ever cast an Armageddon and won the game right away. It's just like, hey, this game's gonna take another hour. Oh, yay. Oh, I know. I know. Um, oh, what else we got here? Favorite TV show? MacGyver or Six Feet Under or The Wire? It's Six hard. Feet Under good? Yeah, my wife yeah, told me that yeah, it's yeah. a really good show. Um, yeah, it's good. Never watched it. Even though I probably should because I love Michael C. Hall and I know he plays a really good character in that. Well, Alan Ball, the guy who wrote American Beauty, um, like created and uh, did some directing on Six oh, Feet Under. Okay. Yeah, so. That's cool. It's good. I don't know. I don't know if it holds up. I haven't watched it in a few years, but like definitely at the time that was great. And then The Wire is just like The Wire. Yeah, I don't think... No, I've never seen that before. 
But like, I, I will never not love MacGyver because that was like my first favorite show as a kid. That is a good show. I haven't seen it in years and years. For me, um, just you saying MacGyver just reminded me of when I used to watch the hell out of the A-Team also. Sure. Oh my god, fucking love that show. And MacGyver really went downhill. Like, the first season was the best season of MacGyver, unfortunately. It just, like, it kept getting worse and worse. Oh, did Which it? sucks, but, like, oh, that first season was so good. How many seasons did it even have? Eight. Damn, that's pretty decent I know off run. the top of my head because I have all the DVDs, yeah. <laughs> um, Favorite movie? Children of Men. Children of Men. I don't think I've seen that. Or have I seen that? Hold on. I can't remember. I have to look it up. Oh. Clive Owen and uh, Michael Caine, uh, Julianne Moore. No, I have not seen that before. Oh, well, don't let me spoil any of it. You should watch it. Okay. What's your, what's the best movie in the Godfather trilogy? The first one? I'll give that to you, yeah. Um, what is the best movie in the Back to Future trilogy? The second one. Really? You like that one? The yeah, most? Back to the Future. Uh, I, I don't know. Maybe because I just liked it more. I, just, I found it more rewatchable. I just, it, it was more of the implications of time travel. Like, I liked going forward versus backward. Mm-hmm. I really, I thought the third one was kind of boring. Favorite Lord of the Rings movie? Um, They're all about the same to me, you know? I... I there was no one that was like that much better than the others. In my opinion, I know you're supposed to say the, uh, the two towers, but I don't know. Oh, two towers is, Oh God. It's, um, there was so much to like in two towers though. Well, see, I have such a hard time divorcing myself as a Tolkien purist. When I see, especially two towers and return of the King, how they just changed the story so much. So you you liked the first one the best, just the fellowship, just because they changed the least. Yeah, it's it's the most pure of Tolkien's image of Middle Earth. I could see that. Yeah. <clears throat> um, let me see here. Any other questions? Um, can't think of any of top. Do you have any questions for me? No, no. <laughs> I right. wasn't prepared for that. Oh no, it's <laughs> nothing's ever prepared here. Um, but yeah, man, I just want to thank you for coming on, man. It's been, it's really been a blast. I can't believe it's already been two hours already. Yeah. And, you, uh, you said an hour and I was like, all right, let's do it. I'll just, you can just cut out all of my answers that were longer than a sentence. So should get I get this down to an hour? Oh no, fuck that. Um, <laughs> so, or well, no, if I have to make an hour, I'll just cut as soon as it hits 60 second or 60 minutes. It's about, yeah. There you go. Nope. Oh, if you want part two, got to join the patron Patreon at Brainstorm Brewery. There you go. Ooh, boom. That's how that's how I work my show. No. <laughs> Patreon.com slash Brainstorm Brewery for as little as $50 a month, which is twelve fifty an episode. You can have access to the rest of this interview. <laughs> so where else can people find you besides Patreon.com slash Brainstorm Brewery? Well, if you go to uh, Twitter, I'm Jason E. Alt on Twitter, and uh, I kind of have a little bio there with uh, all kind of ideas for where to find me. I write for Cool Stuff, Inc. I write for MTG Price. I'm the content manager at EDHREC.com. I have the Brainstorm Brewery podcast, the Director's Cut podcast, and a very infrequently released podcast called Money Draft that uh, should be coming out any day now if you're listening to this on February 15th or after. So... Yep, that's it. I'm. Uh, I do all kinds of stuff, 
And uh, I'm part of this community, whether you guys like it or not. So thanks for listening to this episode. Well, no, and thank you for coming on, man. It was a lot of fun. Oh, it was my pleasure. All right, have a great night.